Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Everybody and welcome in to Winter is Blooming, a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast by us, the Penny Bloom podcast. And we're back like we never left. We took last week off uh, just because I didn't have time. It was, uh, it was a sad day and I, I, I regret it, but, you know, it is what it is. Things happen. Mm. Today we are talking season five, episode four, Sons of the Harpy. This was written by Dave Hill and directed by Mark Mylod. Mm. I'm Colton Robertson. I'm joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And that writing credit, Dave Hill. Been a while since we've had another name besides Ooh. D&D. Okay. Um, do yeah, you maybe. think you felt that a bit? I think a little bit. There were some some different moments in here that are not mm. common amongst the rest of the show and you know maybe we took a little break just uh so we didn't have to see one go so quickly you know i don't know yeah. this is we this wanted a to pretty big off. yeah this is, a, this is a pretty big one well um, what's funny is it's big on our rewatch right now it's never been as big to me as it was on this mm-hmm. rewatch saying goodbye mm-hmm. to barristan selmy has never been as uh, important as it was on this watch, and it was always important you know i was like oh no Daenerys lost one of her strongest supporters. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Now it's like, oh, Barristan was fucking dope. You know, like, I loved Barristan. He was just cool in every way. Like, he was old, so he knows, like, a lot of the history just firsthand. Dude was mm-hmm. right there for a lot of it. And he's also one of the best swords in Westeros. So, like, okay. No one can even test him. You Nobody know? fucking with that. And, and, you know, like, he, I don't know, like, I like that we get, you know, I guess I maybe be jumping the gun a little bit, but, like, the moment that's, like, right before, um, yeah. just with Daenerys talking about Rhaegar, just being like, yeah, no, he was, he was awesome. Like, he just, he sang to people. We get a lot of, uh, this is an important episode Man. for that sort of, like, dissonance of yeah. what we, what the stories of Rhaegar and what we mm-hmm. hear about Rhaegar from a first-hand accountant's. Yeah, uh, yeah. We yeah, it, in uh, the in the crypts, the Winterfell yeah. crypt. You get a little. You get you get kind of that side of the story. Um, it is it is the very early, like the first time that they're really going into Rhaegar and Lyanna. Like I mean, like mm-hmm. pretty hard. Like I feel like it was mentioned before. Like I feel like like uh, we've gotten like, we've gotten some stuff before. Yes, like maybe. Hmm. Would it have been a conversation between like Ned and and uh Robert, maybe? Maybe they were like chilling and he was like, you know, you never told me about that you know, that one girl or whatever and he's like, Nah, we don't speak of her or whatever. And then maybe Robert said something like if 
she just, I don't know, something about the relationship going wrong. I can't remember. I, I just, uh, hmm. I know that we've we've gotten a couple things throughout the show where we've kind of gone, oh, that's a little vague or it's a little mm. telling and it's it's only telling if you know how it goes and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, even the little, uh, the little nod that Littlefinger gives where he goes, uh, you know, he rode right past his wife. And he lay uh, a crown of these flowers on her lap, blue as frost. Mm -hmm. Uh, About as close you can get to saying snow without saying snow. This Uh, is true. Yeah. Yeah, this... I don't know. I don't know how early the R&L, you know, John's parents theories, whenever that all started. Mm. um, And stuff like that. But, like... Because, I mean... I think it Maybe really took off at this point. Like people would like this. I feel like people would start to like, maybe think of his parents. Right. Maybe his that's something, but like, like, there's still not enough there. I don't think I no. like, there's a moment and I don't remember if it's this season or next season where that it like really, really you're like, Oh, who the fuck is his parents? Uh, there's uh something about Samuel says something about Rhaegar being married in a secret s- ceremony when he's talking to uh Gilly just at the citadel. He's like reading from old texts and he's like this motherfucker married like or Gilly says something to Samuel but Samuel's so wrapped up in something else mm-hmm. that he doesn't even fucking process it but it's kind of like wait a fucking minute what's that mm. mean? Uh, and that's kind of, uh, and I can't wait to get there. I I don't remember when it happens, but there's kind of a, there's a moment when it's like, that's interesting. That's, and that's, mm. that was like the key piece of evidence. Um, yeah, there'd but, have, uh, it, you'd have to be a keen viewer right oh. now. Like, and that, they don't even really go into it. Like, I guess like, uh, yeah, no, not really at all. Like, I yeah, guess I like, mean, like if you, you could take that shot in the dark, you know? You could go like, because there's a time where everybody watching the show is going, oh, this motherfucker's a Targaryen, you know, and this is, and, and like, you could be like, mm-hmm. and he's the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna or whatever the fuck, you know, like, yeah. it could, it, it could happen, but like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it didn't happen for me. One, John was like, hey, tell me about my mother. And he was like, when we see each other again, mm-hmm. next time I see you, I'll, I'll tell you about your mother, you know, so like. That, you know, like, maybe p- people that are going back and re-watching, you know, like, they're at this point right now, they're in season five, but then, I don't know, they're going back and re-watching season one for some reason, or they remember that. I like, know, in between seasons. Yeah, but, like, going going to the full lengths of figuring it all out, that's a little crazy right now. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe no, just man, being, like, like, maybe this guy's parents are somebody, you know, yeah, like, yeah. maybe this dude just isn't... Um. Well, and they're really starting to build that up, too, you know, mm-hmm. like Melisandre also in this episode. Like, not only do we get the mm-hmm. Rhaegar story, the Lyanna mm-hmm. stuff, but then you got Melisandre looking in John's oh, eye and going, hey. there is power in you, you oh, know, shit. like, uh, yeah, okay. like there's a lot in this episode Man. that kind of points in that direction. And I it's, mean, I uh, guess they knew this would be a thing that they knew. Right, probably. Like at, at this point, they knew. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like, they would have have to know at this. I'm point. assuming that's something that George R. R. Martin uh, created this story, knowing. Yeah. So it's like, 
yeah. it might have been a long a long standing reveal, but I'm assuming that I'd like to learn behind the scenes when Kit Harrington learned it, when D and D learned it, like when everyone sort of figured that out, or if they were just I would guess right around now is when like season five is when that started because I think season seven is the official reveal. Like the the transition from baby John to, yeah. to Big John. Oh dude, that's a moment. That's a moment and a half. Is that yeah. the season seven finale? Well the season six finale um the season six finale shows that John was born of Liana. It does not okay. tell us. Yep. It does not tell us who his father is, though. Yeah. Uh, and it cuts from that baby to John's face being dubbed King in the North. Mm-hmm. And then it's at the end of season seven whenever Samwell and Bran are talking to each other. And Bran thinks the big fucking thing is like, he's actually John Sand. He's a bastard of the South. I'm a robot now. Sam was like, no, fucking wait, 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 wait. I, I, uh, Gilly read me this fucking thing a little bit ago. Like, uh, yeah. So the season seven, it's revealed he's a Targaryen at the same time he's fucking Daenerys. Yeah. That's what I remember. Cause I'm like, I, I, I'm pretty certain him and Daenerys are on a boat having a, having uh, a grand old time. Yeah. Have just, just doing the deed. And then, and then at that moment, we figure out that like it's Daenerys is his, Ant, great ant. No, just ant. Ant, just ant. Just, just ant. It always fucks with my head every time. Like directly ant too. Like it's not like. uh, Oh yeah, yeah. That is just straight up. Her brother's son is John. Yeah, I guess this. It seems that Rhaegar is just so much older. Like I don't know. Like it seems that that dude is like could have been her dad's age. Like yeah, I'm. I take I it that know. well. The other way to look at it is like he was still prince. He was not king yet. The Mad King was pretty fucking old at this point. So Rhaegar could have been pretty old, but like yeah. kings, they don't stop trying to produce uh, lineage. You know, so like sure. I, I kind of in, in my head, I kind of view Rhaegar and Danny as like twenty years apart. Like, uh, he was like 20 at the time oh, of Daenerys' birth. Um, okay, I'm kind of fucking up here. I, I was kind of, um, combining Rhaegar and Aegon's story together, thinking that he's already done a lot of conquering and shit. But, oh, like, no, Rhaegar is just, he's, he's just, just reaping the, yeah. yeah, he was just, he was just the oldest Targaryen brother or son. Yeah, the uh, eldest Targaryen son of the Mad King, yeah. Okay, oh, okay. And then it was just, and then Viserys a bat, and like us. He was in fucking a joust or some shit, or he was in some competition. And then he was like, "Nope, see you later. I'm going to my real love." And yeah. then that's what started a war. Damn, yeah, basically sparked sparked a conflict that would lead to a war. You know, that's rough. And then the but the daughter who Rhaegar was supposed to be with. Was a Martell from Dorne. Yeah, Martell. It was. It was. It was, uh, it was uh, Pedro Pascal, Oberyn's sister. Uh, oh, say it. God. You murdered her. 
you raped her. That that's Damn, even with the Mad King, that would have been like the first time. Like Dorn would have been like mm-hmm. queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah, they don't usually fuck with the Seven Kingdoms at all. They don't give a shit. And that was kind of the last time they did. I see why. You yeah. know, I see why they're like, even when we tried, they they just because they. I mean, yeah, the Martells had to feel like shit after that. They'd be like, "What the? F-? Like, okay, uh, whatever. We'll go back yeah, to our country know. and forget all about you again." It's a a big preface into this episode. Oh yeah, um, we we don't usually but, go for this long before we get to the uh, location by location deal. But if you're ready, we can go ahead and jump on in in King's Landing. Oh yeah, no, uh, the show's just too much fun to. Oh, to it go is. Yeah. We're gonna start. <laughs> And a small council meeting where Mace Tyrell is making an absolute fool of himself. Um, and he brings bad news that the Iron Bank of Bravos is starting to call in its debts from Westeros. And they have started by calling in a tenth of the Iron Throne's current debt debts to the bank. Uh, which can only afford uh, half of as it's rebuilding the Royal Fleet. Uh, it was a uh, also a massive expense. Mace is like, you know, we could, our house, the Tyrells could front the money for the time being, you know, I'll have to ask my daughter. Uh, and, uh, Cersei's like, okay, fuck you. Uh, I do not, she doesn't want to give more power to them. She's like, we'll figure it out. Instead, she says they will be sending Mace himself to Bravos to negotiate, uh, for more time. Uh, and I love how everything to him is an honor. He's just so happy to be included that, like, he doesn't see this as the affront that it is. Like, we want you fucking gone, dude. Please get out of this room for months. I had the slight thought for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't remember anything about this man. Are they sending him to his death right now? Like, are they just telling him this grand, you know, hey, you're about to go to the Iron Bank of Bravos and be the master of coin and do a really important thing. Are they just making it feel really good so they could take him out to sea and just do a little slice of slice? You know, and, <laughs> no. And, uh, Mace yeah. actually dies in the sept with Marjorie and uh, okay. and all of them. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, because, I don't know, the line, I don't know, some, like, Pycelle, like, says, like, man, the small council is getting smaller and smaller every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cersei hits him back with, you know, not small enough. But, like, I thought that that was, I thought Pycelle was even in on being, like, damn. Like, that dude's dead. Yeah, like, you're, for some reason. Like, I think it was more him. just, like, she's getting him out of here. Uh, that's one less person she has to deal with for a very long time. Like, if you're making that's the trip true. to Bravos, you got that's a couple true. months without someone interfering with you, you know? Uh, mm, and okay. that, and okay. not only someone, not someone interfering with you, but someone who is the father of the queen who you despise, you know? So, like... This episode, she tries to take out the Tyrells. You know, she sends him off to Bravo. She goes ahead yeah. and reels in. Uh, Loris, uh, she's really trying to get at Marjorie. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Marjorie was like, hey, you go to Casterly Rock. I'm going to try to do that through your son. And then Cersei was like, fuck you. Your mm-hmm. your dad is now in Bravos or going to Bravos. Yeah. You want to try and send me to Casterly Rock? Yeah. How about I kidnap your entire yeah. fucking family? Your, your brother is in a cell um, now. Ha ha, LOL. Mm. Um, ha ha, LOL. Uh, I guess your I grandmother's almost, still chilling. 
Um, <laughs> but he's just she's, she's safe in High Garden. If you're in High Garden, you're cool. Um, until much later in the show. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, I the doesn't say a single line, and I was so close to picking Anton Lesser for my performance. Uh, there, there's this look he gives when Mace is like talking of like secondhand embarrassment mixed with like pity and just kind of like, oh, you fucking idiot. Like he just kind of looks down and like gives himself like a little bit of a smile and like shakes his head. And I was like, what a brilliant fucking choice by Anton Lester that like he was so good. And just this one little look. And I was like, it wasn't enough because there's a lot of good stuff in this episode, but like I loved it and I wanted to point it out because he was so fucking funny in that moment. I didn't notice that. I didn't see it on my watch. I wasn't paying attention. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to just go to that real quick. It's, I mean, it's subtle. It's not like a really overt yeah. choice or anything, but it's just like the way that we all feel about Mace Tyrell, he kind of captures in a single moment, you know? Uh, the way that we're all just like, ah, oh, this fucking guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, Tyburn is pretty fucked, and he's, he is kind of crazy, but he does sort of have that, like, kind of brawn effect where hmm. he feels kind of like real. He feels more real than other characters for in his personality. Like, and that's what makes his like craziness a little scarier is because he does seem so rational and normal minded most of the time. So when he does go, you know what? I'd like to keep this person's body for my experiments. It's like, Oh, you're a fucking sick fuck. Aren't you? Um, yeah. He's got problems. Yeah, he's, yeah. But I don't know. He has this sort of realness to him mm-hmm. that, like, his, his, like, opinion on things matters more for some reason. Even, yeah. though, like, like, even though he's this crazy, like, kicked out maester that's just doing Frankenstein experiments. But. Well, I found myself, like, Obviously, on this rewatch, I, I, I'm trying to enjoy as many characters and as many storylines mm-hmm. as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I found myself really, really, really liking Cersei a lot more than I ever have on this on this watch, and therein liking the people that Cersei aligns herself with. You know, mm-hmm. I've always, I've always like, and don't get me wrong, I'm not like, oh, they make great choices and they're such great characters or like they are such great characters, but they're such good people, you know, like, no, they're not good mm. people, but they're super fucking fun to watch. Um, and mm. that like Cersei and Kyburn is a duo that I absolutely fucking they're love. They're killing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Another Cersei is like this episode. She really stepped it up. She's like, all right, mm. I'm queen, queen. Like, I, I, you know, like, fuck you, you guys. Mountain, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm actually going to make moves now. And I'm I'm doing some shit. Why does she send um, Marin Trant with Mace? Why like give him like I mean like he's Marin Trant and fuck him whatever. But he's kind of like the top of the Kingsguard right now. You know, I like, think it's kind of I think it's kind of incentivizing uh, Mace to think it's an honor. You know, like, uh, we're sending our finest okay. King's Guardmen with you to know, to let you know that this is an extremely important mission that we need you to go on. I don't think it's necessarily like, 
uh, they're trying to hang Marin Tran out to dry either. You know, I think it's just that like hmm. they expect, I think they expect that this mission will go off without a hitch, but it's a long time away from a seat of power and a hmm. boring ass job that Mace probably doesn't realize how fucking dull it will be. <laughs> so like, uh, they're, tr- I think they're just trying to incentivize it with a sense of importance that he's not going to, he wouldn't have needed anyway. I think he's just like, ha- like I said, he's happy to be there. If they send him to do something, mm. he's going to fucking do it. Okay. Um, I, can, I can dig. Cause I don't know. I just, there were so many cues going off in my head. I'm like, is this dude dead? Like, do we never see him again? <laughs> um, I was so confident that, that this dude was just never going to show up again. I'm pretty uh, sure it's a couple episodes before we see them again. Uh, because uh, they, I think they take their time with the them getting to Bravos, but we do see them in Bravos. I know that for sure. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, they they get to Bravos. They meet with the Iron Bank and everything. Um, yeah, I believe. Let's see. I think we'll see them again in. Season five episode, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's the end of the season. Oh, he's in season six, I guess. On his wiki, he's Mace returns to King Landing, King's Landing, attends a small council meeting to discuss his children's imprisonment. And da, 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 da. yeah, I think uh, I know they make it to Bravos <laughs> before the end of the season, yeah. but I'm not sure exactly when that is. It looks like you're right. Mace is present at his son's Loras trial in the Great Sept of Baylor. That's where he dies. And is that during Loras's trial that it goes kaboom? That's actually during Cersei's trial, but I think they are they might be tried at the same time. That might be part of the Oh. Okay. Might be part of the deal. I can't remember. But yeah. uh Loras and everyone present at the trial are killed from the explosion. No, Loras had become a faith militant. Uh, after his trial, like that was part of his like punishment, was that he was inducted oh, into their little shit. order. And damn, I forgot so much of that stuff. Yeah, Loris's <laughs> Loris's story is just overwhelmingly sad. Damn, yeah, that sucks. That's not fun. But yeah, but, so Mace doesn't die. I don't know. I I was getting just a bunch of signals to point to it. Um, it really made me think it. For mm. a little bit, but eh, no, oh, yeah. and I, I will say his trip to Bravos is not as uneventful as one may anticipate. But uh, uh, I'm Ooh. I'm greatly I'm greatly looking forward to it. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. I think someone, the puzzle pieces are coming together. Yeah, someone dies, but it's not it's not me. Fucking go! Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm way more happy about this trip yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. This is why. Now, this is why they send Marin Trant with yeah, him to Bravo. Before the ah. end of the season, we will finally get to that send off for Marin Trant that I've been so eagerly looking forward I to. I still don't know how it happens. But, oh, oh my god! No, I'm okay now. Now that I know that little bit, that's that made it a little better. You know, I don't know, don't know how, but now I'll know sort of when. Um, yeah he's in bravos and okay uh but cersei now uh she then meets with the high sparrow who by her influence has been elected as the new high septon of the faith of the seven he's like it is an honor i never dreamed of nor hoped for 
And Cersei's like, that's exactly why I'm going to give you the job, you know? She's like, you're going to be easy to manipulate, or so I think, uh, because I gave you this position of power. Mm. Um, and Cersei is trying to build up a new alliance between the Crown and the Faith as a counterweight to the large political influence the Tyrells now possess. And uh, Cersei points out that the High Sparrow points out to the High Sparrow that the War of the Five Kings has devastated much of the countryside, resulting in seps being burned, clergymen attacked, and even silent sisters uh, sexually assaulted. And uh, bodies of holy men are piling up in the streets, and the High Sparrow admits that wars make men obey the sword more than the gods. And uh, Cersei points out that before the Targaryens, the military order known as the Faith Militant dispensed the justice of the Seven. Mm. Um, never good to arm religion. Yeah, never, never it. in the history of anything has it ever been good <laughs> to arm a religion. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the High Septon is kind of confused now uh, as the Targaryens disbanded the Faith Militant over 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. so yeah, this is even a, like an old concept. This is an them. archaic pro. This is an archaic practice to even Westeros, which is like, oh, so she is really the opposite of progressive, you know? Uh, yeah, it was like Aegon, and then like maybe one or two more kings. And I then mean, they stopped. Come the time of House of the Dragon, the Faith Militant's not even a thing then. That's true. Uh, yeah, and that's three hundred. Wait. That's like 175 years before. So like, oh, oh yeah, Aegon's 300. That's oh. right. Aegon's conquer. That, that's that's 300. That's 300. But yeah, no, it's like this is an old practice to even the people of Westeros. So this is absurd. Uh, Cersei explains that as part of the new alliance, she hopes to build between the crown and the face. She will tell her son to repeal the law and allow the faith militant to be reestablished and rearmed. An army whose purpose is to defend the faith, holy men, and the small folk, and which will incidentally be turned against the crown's enemies. Uh, you know, like, uh, there's so many that are shielded by gold and power, and he's just looking at her like, yes, I know. <laughs> you don't have to, like... Ooh, yeah, there, there was, like, a really cool, like, forgot, like, everyone's, or everyone who sins... I don't know, the High Sparrow says something like, you know, all sinners must pay. Something along mm -hmm. the lines. Of, didn't sound that right. evil, though. Um, but then Cersei was like, what if I told you... Um, yeah, that, like, we have a sinner within our midst. Yeah, like, it, that it was her. But, like, she was like, you know... It's vague enough know. to be about her, which is a little funny. Yeah, um, and then, like, she's pouring him some wine. And then maybe for herself, though, you know, and then yeah. whenever he was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm actually I don't do I the don't body do is a temple. Yeah. Whenever he she, I should. He's like, I should away. say the body is a temple. Yeah. But the truth is, I just don't like the taste. Yeah, fair enough. I mean. That's that's I mean, it's it's probably more for the religious reason he doesn't do it. But even religious people drink wine. Fuck, oh, yeah. I don't know. That's like that's the blood, sometimes the blood of Christ. Sometimes it's part of a ceremony. Yeah, and shit. Um, I think it's hilarious that you can sacrament. just replace it with with grape juice or like like why it. I don't know. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I guess. Um, 
But, like, I don't know. It, it was really funny, the face she made whenever she pushes the wine away. She, like, her eyes open real big as she's, like, she's, like, mm. like, I, like she really wants it. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's no, hilarious. Like it's an like, alcoholic. Yeah, it's, like, it is this split second of just, like, oh, my God, I'm not, I, I can't drink wine during this conversation, you know? Just in that, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of. I guess you noticed, like, a little Kyburn face. I don't know. I just – this was the one little face I noticed for the episode that I thought was hilarious. Uh, Lena Headey might have the best facial acting in the entire show. Like, she's – Yeah, she's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like, it's – At any given moment. She's so good at, like, trying to hide – like, trying to hide what Cersei is thinking – but is also completely incapable of hiding what Cersei is thinking. And you like to be able to portray that sort of dissonance, that restraint is like, Mm. that takes some talent instead of just straight up portraying what Cersei is thinking or like completely hiding it. It's like this blend where she's like pushing down Cersei's urges and you can tell, and it's just, Mm. it's really well done. Lena Headey is so fucking good in that role, but, uh, Man, I almost, I don't know. That she might actually deserve the the performance for the episode. She's I'm a top contender thinking. for me. Um Hmm. Maybe. I have I have a sleeper here uh for the episode. I have a bit of a sleeper as well in my opinion. Um, um So I I think I don't know. Maybe maybe after we're done talking about their scenes I'll readjust, but I think I don't know. Lena Headey might might be going up there. Um, forgot how good she was at the beginning of this episode. Oh, dude, she's great. She is so good. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll uh, we'll push forth where the new faith militant have been armed and they are storming the streets of King's Landing, attacking Instant. taverns. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was hilarious. It's like we'll arm you. Like I thought it was like more of like if if something bad happens, then you can defend your no like there, like there is sinning happening it was, it everywhere was, boom it's we're going fucking right into it just start start that shit right now and just, i know. mean she instituted she instituted martial law fascism within that's a nuts. day that's actually insane yeah like i don't know i i just i found it really funny like oh yeah it is funny i, I didn't know like it, it just happened this fast so i thought they would let it breathe for a little bit no like it was just like instantaneous we will arm you you are now armed <laughs> all the sinners must pay right now like i guess it makes sense for them for like the religious side of it you know like they just don't want to stand idly by while all these sinners are doing sin things but Sinner. yeah no i, I just thought Sinner. it was that was a very fast turnaround um <laughs> yeah i didn't really think about that she's just like that was that was some quick fascist like technique tactics yep. like i don't know that she, like she's got it down yeah like very fast uh th- that's how you do it i guess yeah just yeah just and it's basically cool. like they just went out and took down every other religion like oh. anybody practicing any other religion or selling like yeah. idols for other religions were immediately stomped out mm-hmm. um and then the city watch look on unable to stop it as the faith militant have become more powerful than the city watch within hours. Um, they can't intervene and they ransack Littlefinger's brothel, dragging prostitutes out into the street by their hair. 
And Oliver is struck and ignored as they barge in. This is Lord Peter Baelish's establishment. They're like, we don't give a fuck, dude. Um, yeah. They left him, uh, though. Um, they did. They did. Uh, for, yeah. Uh, but then we get a we get a disturbing scene of them uh, going ahead and killing gay people. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's one thing that they uh, the faith militant cannot abide. You know, there's a lot of things that we'll just punish. You know, we'll we'll march you through the streets and we'll march you through the streets Damn. and we'll make you that's make you true. appear naked. But if you're gay, we're just cutting your throat. And I that's didn't that. think about that. Uh, yeah. That's true. That's the one thing they they drew the line for, and they were yeah, like, nope. fucking absurd." Um, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and it was like was all yeah, Oliver was like watching it and then the door shut. Yeah, shot. Oliver's like, "Oh no, this is yeah. uh this is really like, bad." Oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah. Okay. Cuz yeah, I guess not, they not Yeah, good. they just captured Loris. They just like kidnapped him and put him in put him in jail. Yeah, and that's mostly little, because little it's high. accusations. They don't have yeah. like evidence. They didn't catch him fucking another guy mm. like they did these two dudes i'm assuming you know like it's uh okay yeah it's a little different like they still practice like uh, innocent innocent until proven guilty, guilty type yeah, shit in gotta, theory but like they've decided he's guilty and everything will go that way um yeah no it's a bad damn. it's a bad bad situation in king's landing for another season and I, what's crazy king's landing is better off I think, I think, with Cersei blowing up the Sept and taking over than the Faith Militant ruling the streets. Uh, y- yeah. No, I mean, like, it, it'd be nice if you were a follower of that religion. Like, that's the only scenario. Yeah, yeah, like, if nice. you're... is like, if, if you, you were, were already devout. doing that. Yeah, if you were already doing that, and that is your belief, you know, then you're chilling. But like, if not, that's like hell. That's just that's just actual hell. Yeah, I, I don't. I know. mean, shit. Even from like where I'm sitting, I'm not like I'm not religious in any regard. You know, mm-hmm. I'm dead there though. Yeah, like, like they. I, that I, I'm assuming that's enough. If like if you go. Mm-hmm. You, I, well, no, that's not the religion I follow. Well, then you're fucked, you know? Yeah. They don't, I'd be, I'd be done there. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be, I'd be leaving King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Um, at the first time. I'm heading to Dorne, bitch. This is it. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be, that'd be the place to go. At least right now, it seems. I don't know of anywhere else. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, like, there's it. straight up nowhere else I would go. Maybe the, the fucking place. wall. I'd just be like, fuck it. Take just ship me off to the wall. I don't give a fuck <laughs> anymore. At least I'll be. I would rather fight White Walkers, man. Fuck bit. the faith yeah. militant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, Oliver Oliver flees as one of the men screams off screen, and as a sign of their zealotry, the faith militant have the seven pointed star symbol of the faith carved into their foreheads, including Lance Lannister. And boy, is it neat. Those are that's impressive handiwork, by the way. You know um, what? If we give them something, that's that 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 does look like it takes some skill. They would give they would give some really good tattoos. You know, yeah. they've got really steady hands. There's nothing off and, about any of these any of the symbols here. It is like the perfect star of the seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
and impressive to just withstand that in your forehead as well. I'd say that probably hurts a little more than a tattoo. Um, oh, yes. I've never gotten a tattoo, but I'd say those, no matter how tough you think you are, that probably just still hurts no matter what. It's just. Oh, yeah. Withstand. A straight up, a straight this up knife like, to the forehead. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I guess like, it's not that much, you know, there on your forehead anyways. So like, Maybe you wouldn't feel. Maybe that's like the best place to kind of do something like that. I don't know, I don't know but it's like it's really thin skin here. Like, and yeah. that would suck. I don't like, know how knives work and nerves, especially and... like how sharp this knife has to be in order to do this so uh, mm-hmm. concisely. If this guy fucks up even a little, you think it's the um, same dude doing it every time? They have it like has to that's be. like their yeah, they have to have one yeah. dude who does this. Yeah, uh, there's <laughs> who did it to him. Himself? Oh, fuck. He was just looking at a mirror. He's just. It's like the barber thing, you know. You got to ask your barber who his barber is, and just keep climbing the ladder so you get to the best to barber the best in the barber city. In the world. But yeah. then, who cuts his hair? Does he yeah. cut his own hair, or does he have a barber? He it has just to settle. Going to and settle. going and going. Yeah, it just and then you'll just find maybe it's the two best barbers in the town cut each other's hair. So yeah. I don't know, yeah. but, uh, but this dude is, it's kind of like that. I feel like it's one of those scenarios. He's just, maybe he has the like, roughest one, you know, out of, out of all of them, yeah. though he's, he's the one who's put it on everybody. Yeah, man, this is, uh, things you uh, don't think about on your no. first Game of Thrones watch. No, you know? no, he's a talent. He's a talent. He's got it. He's got talent in the art of carving people's foreheads. Uh, mm-hmm. bro, bro's yeah. got that down there. That's for sure. Um, and but the uh, reason I'm talking about him at this, this much right now is because like they'll all eventually get blown up and yep. be gone forever. Everyone, everyone we see, pretty much in this episode in King's Landing <laughs> dies. Everyone, literally. And if we're talking long term, like by the end of the show, I don't I think there's a thirsty. Yeah, oh, by the end of the show. By the end of the show, they die. Like, that's my thing. Like, is there anybody in this episode that by the end of the show, if we're in King's Landing, that survives? I think they're all dead. Yeah, dead, 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 dead. Taught me a dead. I'm pretty Every sure Oliver dies. <clears throat> oh, okay. Maybe. Oliver might live, but. Maybe. Maybe he makes it out. You know, I hope Oliver lives. This sucks for him, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, everyone else is dead, though. The yeah, amount of homophobia this man has uh, endured. Mm-hmm. Just, was it last episode or maybe two episodes ago where he was like, fuck it, everyone knows, I don't care anymore. And then now it's like, maybe I do, you uh, know, maybe. Maybe I should maybe try I to be a little more uh... discreet, you know? I don't know, man. Like, I didn't know this was going to happen, you know? Like, yeah, it's just a a very harsh okay. down spiral for him. The last time that we see Oliver is uh, in two uh, in two episodes. He, however, does not die. Okay. He made it out. And who's to say now, that he I wonder if the they will heavily, or... heavily... Uh, kind of allude to his death, but uh, we don't confirm that he died. Hmm. You think he stayed in King's Landing though? Because nah, then Daenerys comes him. in, you know. Yeah, um, that's so, true too. There's a lot of people that went then. Yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but Oliver seemingly we don't see him again after another couple episodes here. 
But uh, no confirmed death. No confirmed death. Okay. So that's good. Um, we got one. Maybe. And it's a maybe. That's sad. Um, yeah, that, that's the only survivor out of this entire episode um, in King's Landing. But damn. These things happen. These things happen, especially in Game of Thrones. But nevertheless, uh, Lancel proclaims that Loras' sexual perversions. Uh, sorry, my shit. Uh, realigned, so now I gotta find my spot again. Uh, oh my god, stop fucking doing that. I need to read. Mm. Um, Is this the ads that load up? The ads pop and up and then it the rolls down and I'm like, that, dude, dude, come on. I know, it's just uh, the worst. I'm just trying, and it doesn't happen a lot. This is the first time I think this has ever really happened mm. to me where I'm having a tough time keeping up with it, but it just keeps going. But, okay. Here we go. Lancel proclaims that Loris' sexual perversions are sins against the laws of gods and men. And Loris is dragged off. Uh, and then Marjorie Terrell is furious mm. at Tommen for her brother's arrest. Huh. And this is this is my sleeper. I'm yeah. going Natalie Dormer uh, as Marjorie Terrell for my performance. Um, okay. I like that. And it's, it's because of this scene. It's... Uh, you know, like when she walks in and she's like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, and and I, I, again, almost went with Tommen because this poor little fucking guy, like, oh, he my has God, no idea. Dude has like, um, no fucking clue what's going know. on. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the moment whenever uh, she, like Marjorie's like, it's your fucking mom. I know she had something to do with this. And he goes, but aren't you and mother getting along? Yeah. And and then it was her response yeah. to that, that I immediately went with her for performance where she goes. Oh my! All in sweet, one look, like king. yeah, like uh, oh fuck, this guy doesn't know. He's just so he's, he's so naive and young. That's innocent, all. Yeah. Like just an innocent dude. Like yeah. he was just eating in his room, dude. He's probably hasn't been out of his room the whole day. He's pro he probably just chills. What, what's what's the cat's name? Sir uh, Sir Pounce. Yeah, sir, he's probably just chilling with Sir Pounce, eating food. Just looking out that window all day. That's it. I mean, he doesn't know anything that's going on. And yeah, that, that like, that instant, like, without Marjorie saying anything, like, even before she says, you know, my sweet, sweet king or whatever. Yeah. Like, she was just like, oh, my like, God. She <sighs> was like, holy shit. Like, it was holy shit. How does he not know anything? And then also, like, well, damn. Now I can't, now anything. I can't direct my anger at anyone. Yeah. You know, like, I, I thought, to... yeah. She has to change tactics and manipulate him into mm -hmm. doing something for her. And yeah. this is the, like, Marjorie's obviously been manipulating him, uh, no mm -hmm. doubt. This is the first time it's ever been, like, yeah. like pretty overt. And, like, I absolutely you get what she's doing, and I get why she's doing all, it. All, Tommen. Come on, yeah. what, do you even love me? Yeah, like... Yeah, do you even love me? Do you have yeah. any power at all? You know, like, uh... <laughs> That shit right there. She was, uh, she, she went for his manhood hard. Uh, mm -hmm. he's freshly considered himself a man. You know, he became king. He's had sex. That's true. He's like, he I'm has the had shit. the sex. Yeah. Uh, he was like, I'm a man now. I don't know if you caught that, but like, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he's, he's definitely, he does, he, he's still nice, you know, and he's not just going to kill someone for doing, you know, he like, he's, he's not, he, not dude. he doesn't he's have dude. that. But like he, he definitely had like has the, uh, like an ego, for sure. Like he's like, I am the king now. Maybe I have to like start acting like one. You know, yeah. he's, try 
testing he's the trying, man. And I think like yeah. what's crazy too is like I hate Tywin. I hated Tywin. Love the character, great character, but I hated the motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Tywin doesn't let this shit happen, bro. You know, Tywin does not let the Faith Militant take over. I guarantee you that. No one even tries. Uh, they don't try because Tywin's alive. Mm-hmm. Like no one's stupid enough to actually get like try against. I don't know. It's just yeah, and I mean, like, this move, it's no secret how much this comes back around to fuck fuck Cersei, you know, like, they end up coming for her eventually, so just all yeah. around, like, a damn, uh, a short-sighted decision on her part. She thought the very argument she made for people needing to be arrested is exactly what they're going to do to apl- apply to her later mm-hmm. on, like, they hide behind golds and riches, well, like. You don't see what the problem here is, Cersei. You might get come for it eventually. Um, and she, she does. Thought, maybe she just thought like putting the High Sparrow in that much power would shield her from. I all think this yeah, shit. she thought she was immune, and she was not. But uh, yeah, Tommen after this interaction is fired up. He's gonna go talk to his mommy, uh, and uh, he briefly he briefly stands up to her. Uh, Loris needs to be released at once. Uh, and, uh, Cersei's like, I'm not holding Loris. And he's like, well, yeah, but, ah, shit. You armed the faith militant. You did mm. that. That's your fault. She's like, yeah, but, uh, I didn't tell them to go do that. And he's like, God, fuck. All right. Um, I'll go talk so, to the high sparrow then. And then she like, walk, he like walks up to her with like his hands behind his back and he does this little thing where he like turns back and forth and he goes, um, who should I talk to then, mom? <laughs> So like, who do I talk? Like, I had to call him on a phone and talk to him, or do I don't like, want to do that. That's a, can you talk to him for me, can you mom? Call him for me, please. Uh, this poor little fucking guy. Uh, yeah. But uh, point, yeah, Cersei points out she didn't arrest Loras. The Faith Militant simply dragged him off and imprisoned him. Uh, so he should ask the High Sparrow to release him. And Tommen naively thinks that High Sparrow will simply do as he requests. Uh, so. He heads to the Great Sept of Baylor with five King's Guard and several Lannister Guards. And the path to the Great Sept is blocked by the Faith Militant. And if today wasn't already bad enough for Tommen, for him to, like, freshly... I think this is the first time he's ever heard shit like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be exposed to the people of King's Landing and Flea Bottom going, A bastard! Abomination! You yeah. fucking suck! Get yeah. off the stage! Uh yeah. He's had his wedding. That was a public appearance he made. One of probably mm-hmm. three ever. And everyone was very, very loving, mostly of Marjorie. Yeah. Everyone everyone's good shit. This like the the last time we got this, Joffrey killed that motherfucker right in the street, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And then like started kind of like a throwing shit war. Yep. Um then he had to leave. Yeah, this time it was just more of like, oh damn, alright, fuck. Like this this sucks. I'll just go back home. Well, and like not I to age. mention that the Faith Militant's actions are naturally tied directly to him. Like, the people think that he is in charge of arming the Faith Militant. So, like, they just came through, fucked a bunch of shit up, and they were like, any good faith he had because of Marjorie is immediately axed because mm-hmm. of, uh, because of the Faith Militant. Damn. And, uh, yeah, everything just went bad for the man. Very, yeah. very quickly. This episode just really, this is when shit collapses. You know, it's kind of like, 
not often can you point to a point in history and go, this is when shit fucked up. This <clears throat> episode is when yeah. shit fucked up. You know, kind of um, wondering like the rise of the high sparrow and if it was more planned or calculated, it really nope. just was like, it just happened. Yeah. It's just like, boom, we're doing it now. Cersei made a mistake and, and gave power to a, mm-hmm. a fanatic, uh, fanatic, uh, fanatic cult. Yeah. Just straight up. And then literally within that day, it's over. Like, it's like, there was no rise. There was no scheme. There was no, it was just, oh, okay. Oh, so you're giving us permission to implore our beliefs on a grand scale with weapons. Okay, cool. We can do that. Um, Roger, Roger. Yeah. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Hear you you loud and clear. Yeah. Um, But, uh, Yeah, it does not go the way he hopes. The High Sparrow is praying and does not wish to be disturbed. And the King's Guardman uh, looks at Tom and goes, Say the word and we'll take these motherfuckers out, your grace. Uh, And he's like, you mean like kill them? And he's like, yeah, that's what I mean. And Tom is like, oh, God, is shit really this fucking bad this fast? Oh, my God. Wait a second. We'll figure something else out. Let me go talk to my wife. Um. He he withdraws back to the Red Keep, and Marjorie is even more upset at how ineffectually young Tommen was. Uh, so she leaves saying that she is going to bring her grandmother, Olena, back to the capital to deal with this shit. And that's nice. the end of the King's Landing storyline. Nice to, to get Olena back eventually. Yeah. Um, Soon. Soon come. Is that the... Uh... When's the conversation of her and Jamie and uh, the the poison? When is like Jamie? That's season seven. That's still. Okay. I yeah, thought that's that like, was far away. Because she ends up being on like Daenerys's council. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. Like wow. uh, she aligns herself with Daenerys eventually when she gets over to Westeros and she's in the war room with her. She's the one who gives her that advice that I think she ends up acting on more than anything where she's like, you're a dragon. Be a dragon. You know? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, she sure, she, she sure, sure she did. did. She sure, oh, she did. sure did, bud. Oh, that sure did happen, bud. Uh, but next we are in Dorne, where Jamie Lannister and Sir Bronn are on a Pintoshi merchant ship, which is headed to Old Town in the Reach, and they sail past Tarth off the coast of the Stormlands, which Jamie, you know, oh, longingly man. looks at as he's missing Brienne a little bit. Uh, and Jamie explains to Braun that he bribed the captain to let them take a small boat to shore as they pass Dorne, and they will land just outside of Sunspear and the adjacent water gardens. And below decks, Braun remarks on why Jamie must want to go and protect Princess Marcella for himself. He's the one who let Tyrion escape, mm. and he hopes that he uh, this will make up for that. And Jamie curtly says that Varys did, when in fact Jamie forced Varys to help him free Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And- Yes, this was inter- like Jamie just defending himself on multiple accounts, like still being mm-hmm. like, "No, nah, it's not my daughter, my niece," yeah. and then being like, "No, like I didn't help my brother at all. Actually, fuck him. I'll fucking kill him next time I see him." Actually, yeah, you know, like it's like <clears throat> I don't know, I don't know. Like Bron was obviously like friends with Tyrion, and like you would think that. I don't know. Like it'd be like I'm never gonna see my brother again. I can talk to like at least one of his really good friends um, about him. You know, I, I don't know. That That's what I thought. Like, it'd be 
kind of more of instead of just like, no, I, I'm still going to even lie to this guy, even though he yeah. surely knows. Like, I don't know. It It is very weird. No, I it's like it a, it's a combination of like maintaining appearances and also a little bit of like lying to himself. You know, I think he wants to. I think more than anything for Jamie right now, he longs for before he got kidnapped. Mm. And he wants yeah. everything to be the way that it was. And that's kind of been his problem for uh, basically an entire season. Ever since he got back to King's Landing, it's been basically him wishing things were normal when things will never mm. be normal again. Yeah, uh, that's true. So he's trying to treat everything, I think, with like how he would have treated it prior to his time in captivity and then with Brienne and then losing his hand and everything. He's trying to he's trying to put off this facade of who he was before and we see it slowly crumbling, you know, like it's it's just mm-hmm. not he's just not the person he once was at this point. Uh but uh Bron says that if Jamie ever sees Tyrion again, Jamie should give him his regards and Jamie angrily says that if he sees his brother again, He's going to split him in two for murdering their father. Then Bronn rows past, uh, rows the pair ashore at dusk. And though Jamie can't help row with his one hand, they, uh, they awake the next morning and Bronn kills a snake that was near Jamie's head and roasts it up for breakfast. And, uh, Bronn is worried that the ship's captain will subsequently spread the word of a Lannister and Dorn and, Jamie says he bribed him with a large bag of gold, but Bronn's like, ah, that's not going to be enough. Uh, and it wasn't. He's like, he's like, do you know how much the people hate your family down here? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, do, you, do, you, do you know exactly how much hatred you have coming your way? And within the minute, here's a patrol coming up, you know, wanting to check him out. I don't know if it was just, if it literally... Like, did they actually, like, say, like, that they got bribed or, like, they were told, like, the captain or is it just implied? Like, they're like... Oh, uh, they later, me. we find the, the, the captains with the sand snakes. He's the one who's buried in the sand. Oh, that... <laughs> um, That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so th- they got told. I don't... I think these dudes might have just happened upon him, but these... The sand snakes, like, captured this guy, mm-hmm. so they know that he's coming, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. This uh this this exchange where they're eating the snake actually be my favorite line of the episode mm-hmm. when they're talking about, you know, Bron's like, would have been a shit way to go. Uh and Jamie's like, as far as I've seen, they're all shit ways to go. And then they have like mm-hmm. a, a longer conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh Jamie asks Bron how he'd like to die, and he explains, you know, I'd like to be at home, drunk on wine, with my sons groveling over my fortune. He's like, that's not, I was expecting more, something more eventful of you. And then Bron says, my life has been exciting. I want my death to be boring. And that's my line. Yeah. Um, that was a, I don't know, that was nice coming from Bron. Like, mm. I don't know, you'd expect Bron, like, to be like, oh, I'm, I'm fucking going out fighting, you know, like, I don't, like, fighting or, or fucking some, maybe. Some badass answer, you know. But yeah, no, he's, He's he's a real a realistic guy. He's and you like, don't yeah. and I, I like to think he might have gotten this a little bit from Tyrion, you know. Someone in front of Bronn asks him, you know, uh, how did you think you were going to die and he's like, uh in my in my bed with a uh, when I'm 80 with a woman's mouth mm. around my cock and a belly full of wine. 
Uh, and maybe Braun was like, you know what? That doesn't sound so bad. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. What character development for Braun here? Yeah. You know? He's really making progress. From just um, being Tyrion's champion in the veil to absolute just king shit. He's, he's turned his life around. Man's that knows, guy. I love Who knows him. what he was doing before? We don't know. He's just a just sell a sword. Yeah. Badass sell sword. Yeah, he's kind of like the Dario. A little less. Uh, I mean, a he's lot definitely less. like the gruffer yeah. Dario. Yeah. yeah. Like he fights like and he a, fucks. Dario and Braun would be like best fucking friends. Yeah. Dario could give Braun a few like pointers on how to like just do a little better with the women. Like swim uh, them. Mm-hmm. And uh No, they'd be per yeah, that'd be a cool combo right there. I need the buddy comedy. I need the Dario because they're both alive at the end of the show, by the way. Uh Dario Dario and Oh yeah, yeah. He uh he gets left behind whenever Daenerys heads to Westeros. She's like, I can't take you with me. Yeah. Wow. Oh, because she needed to be she, she couldn't be, be locked down. In case she needed a king, yeah. Well, she, she wouldn't be, be so. locked down. Yeah, so she's like, sorry, Dario. I love you, buddy, but shit. Uh, you've been a great fuck, buddy. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, so maybe maybe a post-Thrones buddy comedy with Bronn and Dario. That would be, uh, that's, that's my number one Game of Thrones pitch. If we could make something happen... It'd be a Braun and Dario buddy comedy. Yeah, Braun has his own castle wherever he is. I forgot where he settled down, but he just goes on vacation to Essos and gets yeah, like yeah. gets a beach house. So maybe Dario just has like his own resort, and it's just it's just a week of Dario and Braun hanging out at this resort. Mm-hmm. The hijinks they ensue. Uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Jamie and Braun present themselves and try to pass off that they're simple travelers to a mounted patrol who comes on by and that their boat capsized in the night, but the ruse does not work and the sentries demand that they drop their weapons so that they can take prisoner and uh, their identity is confirmed. Uh, mm. And Braun plants a sword in the sand takes his dagger out of its sheath and he just goes ahead and throws it directly into a sentry's throat. Uh, and Jamie and Braun draw their swords and fight the rest. And Jamie can't fight very well left-handed yet. So Braun kills one sentry's horse in order for Jamie to fight him on foot. He said he should be slow enough. Uh, here's some training. Yeah. (laughs) You're not going to get better if you don't, if you don't practice, do it, you you know? Uh, and Jamie is very quickly overpowered. Uh, not something he's used to I'm sure and luckily his instincts that would have previously led him to a brutal hand disfigurement Mm -hmm. uh, actually leads to him catching a sword with his new gold hand Uh, and that little clunk and the music dropping out was like I always love that moment like the oh he's like oh shit this thing is kind of dope actually and then he just kind of like slowly jabs his sword through the guy's chest and he kicks him down the hill and he's like cool yeah all right it's like I don't know he really thought that was kind of the end for him this is kind of like I don't know kind of like a new first kill 
he's killed so many people and like it's become effortless for him you know he was just so mm-hmm. good at it that like he never even had to work for it but this one he's like damn i just work hard. for this one i'll watch i'll watch this guy die like i don't know he was like oh i'll do it nice and slow and then, <laughs> i don't know he uh, he really took pride in this kill yeah um, and yeah new skill degree you know yeah. bron bron's like nice job and he's like it was luck uh that's true yeah. and he's he's like well you had a good teacher um <laughs> and bron having finished off the others notes that they now have horses fine dornish sand steeds capable of running day and night without tiring and jamie says the bodies need to be buried bodies raise questions yeah. questions raise armies uh why why is it just because the people are nicer in dorn that the like the horses can run like the horses in Dorne, they can run day and night. Like, no other horse can do that in Westeros at all. Like, um, you know? Like, I love that. No, like, if, if it's just that, like, Dorne is just such a chill place that they care for their animals. They take care of their horses you know, so like, well, that's they all just, it is. Yeah, it's like, it, it's like, you know, maybe a Dothraki horse um, could ride day and night. I don't know. Because they're that's like... That's like part of their religion almost. That's their whole fucking bag, yeah. But Dorn, it, it feels like just an effortless thing. Like it's just part of their culture. Like just to take care of everything. And the hor- like the horses are just that well taken care of that that they're just like, Yeah, all right. I got you, day and night. Yeah, like we're, we're let's we're roll, just let's roll for twenty four hours straight, baby. I got you. Uh but know. uh yeah, uh, Bron says it will take a lot of time to dig holes for all of them, and Jamie's like, "Oh, actually, I can't really do any digging, so uh, mm-hmm. probably just going to be you." Um, yeah, he's getting away with a lot with that. Yeah, the no hand card. You know, he's yeah. Fair enough. I mean, it probably would. It. I don't know would where they be get any fun, to be sure. Yeah, yeah, but makes sense. You know, he is making sense. Could use the hand as a shovel, though. You know, got kind of got to build a little digging yeah. it out, and mm-hmm. but, but uh, Jamie fucking Lannister, He's Jamie Obi-Wan fucking Lannister. Kenobi. Oh yeah, I'm it's never gonna forget Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm never gonna forget that shit now. Oh my god, yeah. it's fucking Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, but all the while, elsewhere outside of Sunspear, Elaria Sand meets with three of the eight Sand Snakes. Oh, there are lover, eight. There so are eight. Just- it's not okay. just these three. Uh, there are okay. eight sand snakes. Uh, we don't meet any of the other ones. We only ever meet these three. Really? Uh, I believe so. I believe that's the case. Uh, is this like just their headquarters? Like just this little tent? This is just where they bull. Yeah, you know. I I don't know if this is like where they just happen to set up or if this is like where they stay. You know, I imagine they have something of like a rotating camp, you know, like they, they move mm-hmm. so that they can't be caught i don't know why they would be running from something but like uh there's eight of them it's eight over and over and got around naturally that resulted in some uh it's just the children yeah like it's not even like it's Oberon's bastard kids yeah it's not even like and actually they're they're Oberon's bastard daughters they're all they're all women Wow, he really had like no sons. Dude didn't have a single I son. I guess not. Here, let's see. Damn, let's that's see. actually nuts. The sand yeah, snakes. Eight sand snakes. Wow, I didn't know there were eight. Yeah, Obra, Nymira. Yeah, Obella, Dorea, Loreza. 
sounds they all end in a um and that's a spanish tell of of female but yeah could i'd say all of those are probably female if i had to guess yeah Oberyn writes a poem to one of his daughters elia mentions his eight daughters to cersei that's right yeah 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 yeah. uh so these three are obara nymeria and tyene mm-hmm um, and Tyene is the one with the short hair that, uh, Ilaria treats a little bit different than the others. And that's because that is her daughter. Um, so she only has one and that's it. She Only one of these, one of these girls is her daughter. Okay. Um, and it's the short hair one that'll eventually say, you want a good girl, but you need the bad pussy. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's. Yeah, quite, quite the, quite the character, uh, written and so quite impressive. So is that her daughter? Is that the one that gives like the villain arc monologue? Um, no, that's a different one. Her okay. mother was a, uh, her mother was just a peasant okay. who, uh, you know, and like that's what she says, you know, like uh, uh my Oberon oh, came okay. one day and yeah. this man I'd never met okay. said he was my father. That's right. Um. I forgot what her monologue was about, but I, I knew yeah. that she had some some kind of villain arc. Like this was like the only. Uh, there are a couple parts in this episode that I don't think are particularly well written, and this is one of them. Um, yeah, it felt very out of place. It did, um, um, and I want to like it so much. I love the concept. I love the Sand Snakes. I love the actors in this scene. I love Indira Varma. I love Jessica Hennig. Like. There's so much to like here in theory, but they are written so piss poor. Like it's, uh, there are those, uh, those joke, uh, there's this chick on TikTok who does fantastic at this whole, her whole shtick is like, uh, women in fiction who are poorly written or stereotypically played. And, mm-hmm. you know, like this person, these are, Four women that are all so evidently written by men that it's so hard to listen to at points. You know, like, it's like, uh, I don't know. All, all of it just kind of felt so out of place. And and I don't know why yeah. that's the case. There's so much else to like in this episode. And I think it's just that they're new characters. Like, this was an introduction. And that's that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure on like whenever it came to Oberyn when he got introduced to the story it was like oh is there has there ever been a better introduction for a character I don't think there's been a worse introduction for characters than these three as far as the quality of the scene um, yeah yeah it was in like... theory it should be cool and I love I love the uh, I love the idea I love all the actors they're they're not doing bad I think they were given piss poor writing to work yeah, that that villain arc just monologue i don't know that was just i was just kind of like it did wow. not work for me we're like we're no. really going here like this is i, I mean like it's long ago yeah like i mean all right like it sounded kind of cool and like I, I know you're motivated now you know like shit like but it just i don't know it felt weird for the episode it just didn't really fit everything else and then like like, yeah, I don't know. It was just a weird moment. Like, it should have been something that was kind of like, oh, okay, we got a new force, you know, coming up. Like, they're they're going to fuck some shit up mm-hmm. in King's Landing, or they're going to make some deal with Marcella. 
um, try to do something. You know, like it it should have it should have been like a new a new player has entered the game. You know, sort of thing, and like they're one's badass with the spear. You know, just like Oberon was. One's sort dope of with the whip. The way she flicks the fucking he- the bucket That's off the dude's true. head and then wraps it That's around true. her, like that yep. was pimp. Yep. Uh, See, they are cool. They're yeah. cool. No, like, the, like I, and again, I want to emphasize that I do not think it's the actor's fault. I think the character design is super fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of what is happening here is cool. It's just that, like, literally the dialogue they are given to work with is horrendous. Like, it's just, it's so bad. Um, yeah. And that's the part that, like, really shocked me when I looked at the writer and learned that it was not d and I was like, yeah. I thought this scene had D&D plastered all over yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, uh, you're going to have to choose yeah. safety or whatever or war with me. Yeah. What do you want to do, girl? Walking up and uh, like it's just... yeah. You know, it, like, it makes it, it does reflect it, it. The writing is so not very good that it actually reflects poorly on a talented actress like Indira Varma, the the actress for Alaria, uh, the mother figure. Like, uh, she's a fantastic yeah. actor, and we've seen that on numerous occasions in this show. And in like Obi Wan Kenobi and in Sicario, she's a fantastic she's a fantastic performer. Uh, but like when she pulls up and she starts talking about what the plan is, it's like, oh God, no. Uh, and it's so like, that reflects poorly on writing, and frankly, it reflects poorly on direction. Like if you can't get your actors to to work well with this dialogue, it kind of felt like they did this scene. In about twenty minutes, and they were like, "All right, yeah. let's move on." You know, yeah, they literally um, pitched up that tent in the middle of the desert, and were like, "All right, we got go ahead and run through this script once, and we'll be good." Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Felt like they took the first take, and then we're just like, "Well, let's move on." They're like, "Ah, uh, we can only get three of them here, anyways." They're like, "There's eight of them. We said it a while ago last season, but ah, uh, we can only get three of them here." Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just whatever. Like we never see the other other five at all. No, like, never. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess they're they're all, like, bastard children, so, like, maybe they're just not all... Like, they just don't stay together. I don't know. Maybe, like, just these three do. Like, they feel yeah. like... Or, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe... I, I guess, like, they could just be out doing their thing. Well, and who but, knows how large of an age gap there is between all of them, you know? Like, they're, they're literal here? babies. Yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> these are the only of-age of age people at all. Yeah. That's uh, true. Could have been. Ober- yeah, Oberon was probably getting getting nasty. St- well, for a long time, long period of time, I imagine. Because if these girls are yeah. his daughters, and they're like eighteen to twenty five is the get is the age range, I would guess for these mm-hmm. for these three. Um, I mean, this dude was fucking down in King's Landing a year ago. You know what I'm saying? Like this man, uh, this man, this man fucked. So like, there, he's probably got a few that are oh, very very small children. Um, mm. oh. but uh, yeah, we won't. But we, I think we spent enough time on that. I won't go into all the specifics, but you know, it was the ending's cool. Whenever she throws the spear through the dude's head in the ground and is like, "I made my choice a long time ago." Yeah, uh, yeah, that captain that gave him that. You know, why did he like? What did he do wrong? You know, he he gave them the ride. You know, like that's how bad they hate uh, the Lannisters. 
is okay. like, uh, That's you help the Lannisters, ugh, you're dead, you know? Um, true. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how I didn't really think about that, but I thought it was like, hey, I'm coming to you with information. You know, like, I got very valuable information. It's like, yeah, I saw fuck Jamie fucking Lannister. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, Obi-Wan. It's fucking Obi-Wan yes. Kenobi. Going the step further, though, it's like, yeah, no, you still did give him a ride here. Like, you, you did you did do that. So, fair enough. We gotta, we gotta kill you, man. Uh, but yeah, that ends the story in Dorne, and we'll head to the Summer Sea next, where, at Volantis, during the night, Jorah Mormont knocks out a fisherman and steals his boat leaving with his captive Tyrion Lannister. Later, when they are at sea, Tyrion urges for Jorah to remove his gag by singing in a very uh, annoying capacity. And uh, ultimately, it leads to Jorah removing his gag as he would prefer him to talk to him as opposed to hearing this mumbled jarble of words. Um, And Jorah will not volunteer any information about himself, but from a few quick observations such as the bear sigil on his armor, Tar- uh, the Targaryen sigil, Tyrion quickly surmises that he must be Jorah Mormont. Uh, yeah, he really like, breaks his whole shit down right here. Oh, very he's quickly. Like, really. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this was... Uh, this was the other scene that I think was really, really carried by Peter Dinklage being a good actor and mm-hmm. Ian Glenn being a good actor. Again, I find the dialogue in this scene just not very good. Um, I appreciate Tyrion's like deduction of the whole situation, and it makes sense that he would. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not—I guess it's not—it's not an easy scene to write. Write by any means, you know. Like it's really one-sided. Jorah doesn't want to provide any information, so Tyrion just kind of has to do all the talking. Um, but Peter Dinklage really carries this. Uh, really carries this one scene, mm-hmm. and Ian Glenn. I mean, like he does. He's a stoic man in this scene, but he's he's also a fine performer. So like, uh, he he just didn't have anything to work with. Um, but Tyrion admits that the queen he is taking to, uh, or Jorah admits that the the queen that he's taking Tyrion to is not Cersei but Daenerys. Tyrion's like, ha ha, what a waste of a good kidnapping. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. That was yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I happen to be heading there myself. Uh, he's like, tell me if you were serving your queen. Why were you half a world away? And then he's like, oh, I remember. It's all coming back to me. You were serving on the... You were a spy. You were handing notes to Varys's little birds. And she found out and she exiled you. Do I have that right? And, uh, you know, you know, okay, so you kidnapped me in the hope that, you know, a gift to Daenerys will get you back in her favor. It's a bold, bold tactic, but, you know, mm-hmm. just might work. Um. And Tyrion also points out that there is no guarantee this will assuage Daenerys, and it is just as likely she will remain angry at Jorah and welcome himself as an ally. Mm-hmm. And then Jorah smacks him across the face, quieting him down. Yeah, and that was it. I was like, I mm-hmm. mean, I guess like we had to, we had to have the in between. I think like he gets there next episode. I think. Um, um, I was, they it, go through some shit before they get to Daenerys. Oh, he goes in the fucking. They go to the um, fighting pit. Fighting pit. That's yeah. how. That's. I how think it. next episode they actually go through Valyria, and Jorah gets grayscale. Oh shit! That's right. Oh my god. Duh. Yeah, we're on episode four. Yeah, he was in Volantis, and then now they're on in the sea. Yeah, episode five. Next episode, 
They get to Oros. Uh, the lands of the long summer. Okay, yeah. So Valeria. I think next episode. Yeah, right? Wait, oh, that's not Valeria. Viaria. Uh, look like Valeria. No. Yeah, but they go to Oros. Which, on the... I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Oros... I'm assuming that's where they get bought and sold and stuff, but... Uh... Hmm. Anywho, we are next at the Wall. Wherein, Jon Snow trains recruits in the practice yard of Castle Black as Stannis Baratheon and his wife, his wife Selyse, watch, along with their daughter, Shireen. And Selyse is worried that Stannis wishes Jon was his son. <laughs> Because she gave him only stillbirths and weaknesses uh, and weakness, uh, but he says that wasn't her fault. I, this was probably the best Stannis Baratheon episode yet. It was. It was. Like I'm finally feeling something for Than- Thanos. Yeah, Stannis. finally <laughs> feeling something for Thanos. No, I'm finally feeling something for. Tha- wow, I almost forgot <laughs> to do it again for Stannis. God damn it. Um, I don't know. I actually ended up going. Like, this was the performance that I was thinking um, for the episode. And then I, I want to maybe talk through a scene, see if Lena had... I, I think... I don't know. I think Stannis actually does kind of get it here, though. Um, the performance? Yeah. I was I was going to go character, and then it's pretty impossible to do so um, by the end of the episode. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I did I did really like really like his performance here. And, like, especially yeah, the, the scene after. Dylan? Um, yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, Steven, P-H, Steven, and then maybe Dylan or Delane, D-I-L-L-A-N-E, um, but yeah, that'd be, I think, is that the first anything? It is, that would be two first time, uh, performance nods for us. Let's uh, go. Oh, Marjorie, this is her first? Yep. I've given her a character, but I've never given her a performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, I think, I mean... At this point in the episode, like in the show, like Lena Headey could probably get it any episode. Kit Harrington is probably about to get it, you know, at any episode. Amelia Clark. I, like, I mean, like there, there were multiple people who I could. Like, there was, there was actually input. another first timer that I almost went with, and it was uh, Carice Van Houten for uh, for Melisandre. Uh, she does really, really good in this episode as okay. well. Okay, um, she yeah. was another top contender uh, because she, you know, she joins. Uh, Solis and Stannis there and appears to quite mm-hmm. firmly take Stannis' side, declaring that the Lord of Light doesn't care about Shireen's grayscale disfigurement, and this doesn't change the fact that she was her father's blood. And when Solis departs, Melisandre discusses the coming battle to take Winterfell from the Boltons, and she asks if Stannis intends to leave her behind, as he did at the Blackwater. But Stannis assures her he won't this time. He says, I need you. And she yeah, goes, that... I only need faith. Or you only need faith, my lord. And he goes, that Melisandre comment, though, her being like, Lord of Light doesn't give a fuck about your grayscale, just cares about your blood and what that'll mean for your sacrifice. You know, yep. like a little, a little like, it doesn't matter if you have grayscale, if you're a sick, anything. We don't give a fuck. Like, you got King's Dude, blood in yeah. you. It's, uh, this episode is so good. Mm. especially on a rewatch like this part of the this part of the episode particularly everything that's a weird feeling it's such a weird feeling it's like it feels good there's a there's there like it 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 makes you want to feel good one of those last little like 
Like, oh, okay. Man. He does okay. love his daughter. He just yeah. longs for power more. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. all. I'm assuming that happens within the season. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. No. Really? Yeah, that happens this season. Oh. I think that's the second to last. Yeah, it's the penultimate episode of this season that that happens in. Oh. Uh, season eight? Swiss Scars apparently remind him of Shireen. Okay, but yeah. Um. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he dies in the season five finale, having tried to take Winterfell. Yeah, Shireen is sacrificed season five. Doesn't say the episode, I guess. But yeah, it is season five that it does happen. Yep. Season six. It says she has something in season six. Um. Oh, maybe about her grayscale. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because that's okay. probably when anyway. Samwell will kill Damn, that's this season? Oh my yep. god. God. That's what makes this hurt even a little a little worse. It's, it's it's imminent. It will happen soon. Um But uh as the uh as the new Lord Commander, John goes over paper paperwork with Samuel Tarley, uh and uh letters that they have received from minor houses offering up a handful of new recruits. And John box when Samwell hands him a request letter from Roos Bolton. Or for Roos Bolton. He says, No, not him. And Samuel's like, come on, man. Uh, he goes, nope, he killed my brother. And Sam points out that Roose Bolton is now the Warden of the North, and he has the most recruits to send. We are the Watchers on the Wall, and we cannot watch the Wall with 50 men. We need the Boltons. And with mm-hmm. disgust, John signs the letter, immediately throws the pen down, and is like, fuck! You know, like, uh... Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's a little better, you know, a little bit made better, the fact that he just signed Lord Diddly Bob, Lord you know, yeah, or whoever, whoever before. I think that's what like Sam purposely fluffed it up. Like yeah. he knew that he was like Lord is this guy funny? Yeah, and like look at this name. You've never yeah. heard of this. Lord Willoughby. You yeah, like they're that? Not gonna uh, much. They're not going to have anything at all. Many recruits whatsoever. Their houses are already small. They're probably little towns that need every person they got. You know, and they're like, right. you know, but so I think it was just Sam just trying to get him like, hey, like. Maybe he won't notice by the time we get to Lord Bolton, you know, like maybe he won't read and he'll just keep signing and he won't even know. Um, Not him. I think, I think Sam was looking out for him a little bit, you know, because he was ready. He like, right when he saw like the name, he was like, but it's okay, actually, you know, like we need the people, you know, we need the, we needed the people. It's actually very important for you to sign. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, man. I hate to do this to you. I love that. Like, I just love John being the leader and Sam being the one who's like tending to the business with him and stuff. Like it just makes me very, very happy to see. Um, just and, so badass. You, he's just like, he's like, I don't know. At the beginning of the wall, you see him like out in the yard, like with everybody, like just training. I'm walking up to his office, you know, and then like, cause you see like Stannis and everyone looking at him. And I don't know. It's just like, he just looks so important and like he he like he's so needed there i don't Mm. know he's just he's just so good like they build his character up so well like it's it's just insane like the rise that this man has seen in such a short time and he's still going he hasn't even peaked yet like he's about to die 
Like, he actually dies and then still it goes higher. Like, I don't know. It's it's crazy, the peak he reaches. Like, that's the season two, huh? That's the end of this season. He's dead. Yep, that is the season five finale. God, so much happens. Holy fuck. Season five has the most massive last three episodes of the entire show, I think. Oh um God, yeah. Of any season. Like, Serene season going, five, Hard Home. Oh, fuck. Hard, Hard Home? Home is episode eight. Holy that shit. That is right around the corner. Oh, uh, my God. The Night King yeah. about to go crazy. Shireen's about to be sacrificed. Stannis John's is going to try and take Winterfell, and he's going to fail. Does he die there? Brienne kills him. <laughs> Let's fucking go! Oh my yeah. god! He's like oh. wounded. He's wounded in the battlefield, and Brienne followed Sansa to Winterfell. She saw like the whole. She sees the whole battle, waits for it to oh. end, goes oh to god. him, tells him like. I know what you did. You're fucking dying. But I think she even says like, uh, uh, you are being like, you are being put to death for the murder of the King Renly Baratheon. Do you have any last words or some shit like that? Like, it's like, she goes full, full executor, go full King's headsman there. And it's kind of awesome. It's a great cathartic moment at that point. Oh my uh, God. Holy shit. And he, you want him to fucking die after sacrificing Shireen, you know? Like you're, you're fucking ready for that. So like, oh, it's, yeah. it's a great moment. Oh no, dude, I'm uh, giving a performance for this episode because I know it's one of the last I'll be able to give him. Yeah, it's, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I'm not. I'm. I, I feel good for him now, but talk to me in a couple episodes, and that's gonna no, be much. Fuck Stannis till the day I die. At that yeah. point, but uh, yeah. Nevertheless, this is where my favorite. Uh, this th- that was part of my favorite scene. But my favorite scene really begins when Melisandre enters uh, enters the room, and mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, she entreats John to, you know, like, how about you come to Winterfell with us? You know, even if you don't become a Stark, you know the castle better than any of mm-hmm. us. You know its weaknesses, its defenses, its people. Uh, and she also acknowledges that there is a greater war at stake, and asks if John is on the side of life or death. You know, what we're fighting for, what my Lord stands for is life, you know, and I want to show you that. And she undoes her dress, straddling him as she does so. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, God, like Kid Harrington yeah. is really, really good at doing this. The like, mm-hmm. uh, the like, oh, man, this is a uh, shit. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like, I really, really, really want to. But God it's like the, it, he look, he's like a cartoon character with like the heart eyes popping out of his head. He like he takes like a big gulp and you watch his Adam's mm-hmm. apple rise from the top to the bottom and like there's steam coming yeah. out of his ears. Oh, uh, it was like I'm watching it like in my room on TV. And then this is the moment my brother walks in <laughs> in the room. And I'm just like, I'm just like, well, I mean, you couldn't have picked, you know, a, a better time. And I'm like, this is. This is why you got to watch Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, you, you get this you every there? now and then, dude. Like, come on. Uh, and I was, that was the only thing I, I could, I feel like, to make this, the, yeah. <laughs> like, the situation not awkward, you know? Right, I right. Know. Um, but, no, this, like, Melisandre, I don't know. Melisandre got really interesting to me this episode um, of, like, how she knows some some stuff, you know? like. She's- 
there's clearly a power in her, you know, like yeah. there's, it's, it's abundantly like, clear that she possesses something like her um, saying, like my Lord fights for the living or like, yeah. is like for life, like kind of like she knows that John was saying like, I, I want to fight for the side of the living, you know, like that's like, yeah. she's literally like using his own like words and his own like philosophies to like to try to justify fighting him. for him, yeah, yeah. For, for the, for and then the like, and then she goes a little sexual mode, and maybe that's just like maybe it just works with every other man. It works with him. it works with most dudes, you know. Uh, John, yeah. like, and on paper, there's no reason why it shouldn't work for John here. He's up at the wall. In theory, he hasn't, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he hasn't got it on in a while. Um, so mm-hmm. she's like, "Come on now, get down with this." Uh, and she's like, "Come on, fuck me, dude." And you know, the Lord of Light made humans male and female for a reason. We're half of a larger whole. Um, so fill it, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and although clearly tempted as he, like, never removes his hand from her breast for this and, entire scene, which is like, also hilarious. I'll let, it, I'll let it go for a little bit. You know, he's like, I'll and let then, like, this, whenever I'll she, let this He's run. like, I can't do that. And he's, like, yeah. still got his hand on her tit. And then uh, I, she, like, I don't know if down. this is a good idea, Melisandre. You know, uh, but I'll, I'll stall for a little bit longer. <laughs> she, like, looks that. down and she's like, yeah. And he, sure? he goes, oh, shit, I'm sorry. You know, like, the, like, the, like, pullback. Um. Yeah, and then you know he he's like I can't uh, I have my vows, and you know not to mention that you know your king would certainly not like that. Melisandre's like we don't have to tell him, which is just like always, you know he's like oh fuck yeah, uh, but no it's okay we can't. Uh, and then uh, mm-hmm. when Melisandre points out that he's broke his his vows once before, John acknowledges that yes he has, um, but uh, you know I loved her. And he's like, uh, the dead don't need lovers. And another contender for my favorite line was him going, yes, but I still love her. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. I was no. like, <laughs> so I just went ahead and gave it the scene because I was like, everything about this was fire. Just the whole like her being mm-hmm. like, there's a power in you. You shouldn't deny it. You need to embrace it. Um, mm-hmm. All this stuff just kind of we continue to build Jon Snow as like this heroic legendary figure even though we haven't seen him do some epic shit yet it's just kind of like oh this guy like he's on he's still he's already lord commander but he's still going up and you go like i remember the first time i watched this kind of going like what could they possibly still be building towards you know because he's already lord commander yeah you know like he he's become mm-hmm. and you he's been at the wall since season fucking one this is five seasons fucking deep you know like you think this is his story he is going to he became the lord commander yeah. and that's oh. that's it you know that's john snow for you but now they're like there's a power in you you need to embrace it we need to feel like and you're like oh dude is this guy gonna fucking be like it's just uh it, i yeah, love it the way they build john snow i really really do and uh especially awesome. yeah. yeah no that scene was sick i the line i chose was melisandre's mic drop as she's walking yeah. out of the door yep. you know like you know nothing, you know nothing john, john snow. snow and him like, being like 
It's like, how the fuck do you know that? And again, like, you want to go, you want to go Carice Van Hooten. You want to go Kit Harrington. You want to go Lena. There's so many mm. fantastic performances in this episode, but like Kit Harrington's reaction, like there are so many moments you can point to in this episode where it's just people's reactions to shit that kind of mm. go like, Oh, like that was good. And this was one of those when Kit Harrington is left fucking speechless as a result of the, you know, nothing Jon Snow. How the uh, fuck does she know? You know, I, I, I want to show you, I want to show you something. He's like, forgive me, my lady. I don't trust visions. So basically, I think she just turned her powers up to max to try and like, ooh, headcanon theory for a little bit. John burnt her for her funeral. Lit her body ablaze. Um, yes, it mm. was north of the wall. But, like, I don't know. Maybe if, like, a body is burnt, like, like living or dead, there's some connection there. And that's how, like, they know there's a war coming north because all these bodies are being burnt. Like, they have to burn them so they don't come back. Right. Or something like that. So they're like, what the fuck? Something's going up on the wall, like, up at the wall. Can't tell exactly what it is. It's still vision. So, well, then how the fuck is, is it detailed enough to you know nothing? That was said like twice, you know, or maybe three times. I don't know, but like definitely well, on, geez, on one I hand. Mean, it's been very like, clear since Melisandre arrived at the wall that she sensed an importance in Jon Snow. So maybe it's mm-hmm. kind of like meditative, like. She is she is trying her best to learn about Jon Snow through her visions. Like it's like maybe that's what she's praying for. Like you think she? Do you think she Melisandre knows that Egret said that to Jon, or do you think she's just legitimately telling Jon like you don't know, like you know nothing, like no? She she said that as a like. I know exactly what I'm talking about and I want to show you exactly what I'm capable of without like scaring you completely, you know? Um, Holy shit. Yeah. My money is on since she's arrived at the wall. She's kind of seen, she saw Jon Snow through the flames. She realized she recognizes his importance and Mm -hmm. she's been doing like a guided, guided meditation to her prayer to the Lord of light, trying Mm -hmm. to be like, Hey, I know this guy's important. Tell me why. Give me like, help me out here. So I'm okay. guessing that like in her visions in the flames, she's seen some shit with John and Egret and the, you know, nothing John's know. And, you know, there's also the fact that like when she looked at Arya's, like she just looked at Arya's face that one time and was like, Oh, I see something in you. You will close many eyes forever. Mm. You know, like, uh, yeah. So there is something there too. Okay. Like she can just look at people and go, Oh, I'm getting the vibes. Um, okay. But this is Fair. awful specific compared to the like, yeah. you will shut many eyes forever. This is crazy. This is like a, a single, like a couple times it was spoken and like meaningful to them. Yeah. It's like, very, very personal for John. Yeah. This is, only one person has ever said this to him. Yeah. Like that, that would be creepy in John's shoes. That'd be like, oh fuck. Like, yeah. Whoa. Like, yeah, this red priestess has really got it figured out. Whatever, she, whatever voodoo she's on, she's doing it well. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was my favorite scene. Uh, almost brought me my favorite line. I went ahead and gave that to Bron, though. Um, 
But anytime yeah. we can get another, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. I mean, I gotta give it props. There can't be. I, it, there's there's a really good chance this is the last one. Um, That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it would come back up. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, unless anywho. John literally goes to Melisandre and is like, "How did you know? You know nothing. You know, yeah, like right, right. literally about but like this. the way that it is said to John. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that that's ever happening again. But nevertheless, later on in Stannis in Stannis's chambers at Castle Black, working on other letters, and Shireen enters. Stannis begins to apologize for dragging her along on the campaign with him. Castle Black is hardly a place for a child, but Shireen cuts him off. She's like, yo, I'm I'm happy here. This is fun. I'm having a great time. I was ex- I thought I'd be left at Dragonstone in the fucking dungeon down there as mom wanted. Uh, and <laughs> Shireen's like, uh, she just, yeah. uh, and this is, uh, again, just a, just a look that you go, Oh, that's a good fucking like from Stephen Dillon. Whenever uh, Shireen asks, you know, are you ashamed of me? It is like this guy has to have kids. You know, uh, like uh, yeah. the the way he just like look like snaps up at her, and there's like this look of like pity and like guilt almost mm-hmm. to like where she would have ever felt that at all, like felt the need to ask that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that, oh that's, man, like that's why I, went, I almost it almost was my scene. Um, oh, this isn't your scene. I thought for sure it no. would be. It, it, it was close. There was one. I don't know. I like Game of Thrones action got pretty yeah. fucking good this episode. It's, it's just, this is all time action. right here. Yeah. I, I thought it was actually really well done. But like I gave um, Stephen Dillon or Delane um, the performance. Like I had to give this scene somehow in here. Um, and I felt like his performance is, is why the scene's so good. Um, so that's, that's why I went with it, but yeah, I don't know. This was like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's from the jump. Like she, she was like, you know, yeah, mom didn't want me here. And he was like, how do you even know that? Like, sh- no, like that's, that's crazy talk, you know, automatically like defending, defending. Yeah. Um, what's the wife's name? Solis. Yeah. Solice defending her. And then Shireen being like, Oh no, she literally told me that she didn't want me to go. Like she was like mm. she literally told me to my face that she didn't want me to come. And then he was like, "Oh, well, she shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry." You know, like Yeah. That's no, not, but, you know. Like, I don't you know. know. Stannis was... gets up from the table and, you know, again, mm. kind of similar to Lena Headey in that, you know, the way she was like suppressing, she like is able to suppress Cersei's urges in her performance. Uh, the way Stannis struggles to express his emotions, mm. Stephen Dillon has that fucking down. Uh, yeah. When he gets up from his table and he like walks away and he like can't even look look at her, he's just kind of like looking away and he's like, "Yeah, you know, uh, when you were born and there was this doll maker, a Dornish trader arrived on Dragonstone and having heard of your birth, gave a wooden doll as a gift for you and." He knew that I would be an easy target as a new father, and unfortunately, the doll was contaminated with grayscale, and by the time it was discovered, Shireen had already contracted the disease, and he was like, everyone told me you would die sooner or later, and uh, most seemed to think it would be later. It It would be brutal enough to let you get to know the world, and then it would take you from me. Um... 
They urged me to send you to the ruins of Valyria to live out your days with the Stone Men. Another great piece of foreshadowing for what happens later in yeah. the season for the Stone Men. They've been kind mm-hmm. of sprinkling that in there, mm-hmm. the Stone Men stuff, to like, we're, we're going to see them here soon uh, before the disease infected the rest of the castle. And Stannis says he told them all to go to hell and uh, summoned every healer, apothecary, and maester he could to save Shireen. And Stannis insists that Shireen is his daughter. He would not send her away because she belonged with her family. And this scene made me cry, not oh only God, because of yeah. how good the moment was. Um, never, never has this scene made me cry, by the way. Like, that's why I love watching this week to week and really deliberating on every little fucking thing, because this show is just hitting harder than it ever has. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Th- this there was so many levels to this, why it hit. And it was like, oh, damn, like stand. It's like. It's emotional for both of them. Like, you know, like it's, it's like a moment that like Shireen has been needing for so long, you know, yeah. just to hear this, like hear this be said. And then also to like slow Stannis down. Like he's, he's just been too kingly and too focused mm. on all this stuff. And like, like he even had to like remain kingly in front of Shireen too. There's yeah. no one else in the room, but then he, he still needed to like remain kingly. And so, like, he tells this grand story. I think, like, the story is not to remain just his appearance. I think that was, I don't know, I think it was just, like, he knew what he had to say. Like, yeah, as, no, as he, he knew that she was feeling insecure as their daughter. and But, like, not hugging her right away. You know, like, having yeah. his arms, like, kind of at his side, and then he's and then he realizes, like, no one else is in here. Like, I obviously, I love my daughter. I need to, I need to do this, you know. Yeah. Like, sort of, like I got to give my daughter a hug. And that's like, that's, a king wouldn't do that. You know, a king couldn't give his daughter a hug, you know. <laughs> um, that, that looks weak. Um, yeah, but no, that, no, this was such a, a great moment uh, between the two of them. Um, yeah, man. That was, uh, and it's just so loaded because not only is it just such a good scene between the two of them, but knowing that he eventually sacrifices that yeah. daughter he was so, uh, so passionately protecting. Makes it very, very sad. And this um, season, too. Like, it's it's not even, like, that far away. Like, no. that's the sad thing, you know? It's like, ah. Uh, well, like, and, like, there's a chance that, like, he's already grappling with that decision. So he's, like, maybe it's kind of like a back-and-forth thing where he wants to, he's like, I can't do it, but maybe I'll have to, but I can't. Uh, and so, like, it's just a bizarre position for him to be in as a... Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes to like the crown and the faith militant at the moment, he's got his own version of it going on where he is more than anything serving the Lord of Light. Like that is that is how he thinks he will get to the throne is if the Lord of yeah. Light is on his side. Um, yeah, and he's got a whole army behind him, not just some religious fanatics with some clubs. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a that's he's got the whole army there. Yeah, uh, that's, but that concludes the story at the wall, and uh, yeah. we'll then head to Winterfell, where Sansa Stark takes the opportunity to visit her family's crypts, and uh, she comes to the tomb and the statue of her aunt Lyanna Stark, and finds the feather token that Robert Baratheon left there years ago when he visited Winterfell, which was a cool little detail. Um, and Peter Baelish arrives and says uh, he thought he'd find her there. And Sansa remarks that her father, Ned, never talked about Lyanna, but she would sometimes find him down there lighting the candles at her tomb. 
and Sansa never knew Lyanna because she died before she was born, but she notes that people say she was beautiful. God, that must, like, Ned had to not, had to remove Lyanna from his mind completely, could never talk about her, could not breathe life into her after death because Mm -hmm. it would lead to people finding out she was John's mom. Yeah. You know, like that's a the one lie, you know, like, because that's the thing is that like he had to do it that way, though. Like it still was honorable what he was doing. Mm hmm. And like it, it was. It, it's such a low like so many things are going on at once, you know, he needs to protect the child, you know, he he needs yep. to protect. And, and this is the the way that he saw the best way to do it and uh, this is a, this is a little off topic but i'm uh i'm curious um you remember like the season 8 like episode 3 where everyone goes down in the crypt and that's where like the children, the women and the children are hiding the, the ones who are not going to fight the white walkers. That's where they, they stay down there. Okay. Did the, are the crypts like bigger right now than they are then? Like that hall goes on for fucking ever. Uh, that's true. Yeah. That did, it did look pretty big. It was massive. Those were fucking catacombs. That wasn't just crypts, you know. Like those are that's going for a long fucking while, Um, and that is not what it looks like later on. I wonder if in season eight, if it's like it's like a closed off section, maybe like there's there's also like a very clear like staircase with a door in season eight episode three. to go it's a much it. it's a much yeah. smaller area come season eight. Um, when do they? Let's see. Oh, they're already fighting. So it probably would have been before the fight that they show it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like probably like right at the beginning. Oh, they show. I mean, they show the crypts throughout the episode because they cut down there. Um, Yeah, it's just bizarre. Mm-hmm. It feel it feels much bigger here than it is come come later in the show. Um no, no, but, I can't. Uh, for some reason I'm I'm trying to scrub through episode three. I just can't find a shot of the crypts. A lot of it's just the battle. Yeah. But um I'm seeing it would, right it would be sort it would be kind of sprinkled throughout the middle because that's where Tyrion and Sansa are and Okay, uh, so if I see Tyrion or Sansa then that'd be a but, good. Uh, I'll continue with this just in the meantime mm. while you look through that. Uh, Littlefinger says that he actually saw Lyanna once years ago. Are you seeing it? Or what the fuck? It's the bottom of the staircase. They're all like looking at this staircase. Yeah. And like it's if they come down the staircase, that's it. Like the hall goes back for a little bit, but not anywhere near what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like episode. and I guess yeah. like maybe that's convenient because they raise the dead later on and they don't want it to be as much as crypts that long would indicate. You know? Mm. Um <laughs> Yeah, I guess this could be like a lower level. Or something to it, and maybe that upper hallway still yeah, exists. Maybe. I don't like, know. That's I was just kind of like, this is a uh, wow. 
it's not a continuity error that actually bothers me, but like I remember it being it like almost felt claustrophobic in season eight, episode three. Whereas mm-hmm. this, I mean, this thing goes on for for like what feels like hundreds yeah. of feet. You know, like that goes far. It was um, like two and a half football fields. Yeah, it looked you know? long. Uh, yeah. But uh, nevertheless, like I was saying, Littlefinger says he actually saw Liana once years ago, and she was as beautiful as everyone says. Back when he was a boy living with Sansa's mother's family, and the old Lord Went of Harrenhal held a massive tournament. Every notable figure of the time from across Westeros. The Mad King, Rhaegar Targaryen, Robert Baratheon, Ned Stark, everyone. Uh, Lyanna had already been publicly betrothed to Robert at the time. And uh, Peter remembers how odd he was, a boy from nowhere with no significant holdings to see all these living legends gathered in one place. And in the final tilt, Prince Rhaegar rode against Sir Barristan Selmy. Just another, like, nice little... Yep. They were they were homies, you know, like they were just facing off in this tournament. They were they were da- they were down though, uh, and Rhaegar won. Yeah, that is badass. Badass. Oh Rhaegar God. beat Barristan. Damn. Yeah, like Rhaegar won, and the uh, the entire crowd erupted into cheers, only to suddenly okay, drop cool. dead silent when Rhaegar rode past his wife Elia Martell to lay the victor's crown, made of blue winter roses, in Lyanna's lap. And not long afterward, Rhaegar made off with Lyanna, sparking Robert's rebellion, which overthrew the Targaryen dynasty. And uh, Littlefinger wonders how many thousands had died because Rhaegar chose Sansa's aunt. To which Sansa says, yeah, sure, sure, he chose her, uh, then kidnapped and raped her. And Peter just kind of gives her like a don't know how to follow that up look. Uh, Let's go. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, how many wars, like, start, like, love and religion, you know? It's like a, feels like, well, love, religion, or hate, I'd hate. say. Yeah, I was going to say it, hate was the that, other one I was thinking that, of. That probably sums all of them up. But, man, in this show, God, is it just, like, either some Money family also. feud or, yeah, like, oh, man, it's just... Over over this little, you know, Rhaegar just stealing Rob, you know, Robert's girl, and then Robert. Well, being and like, that's like the I, that gave Robert, I think, a much more personal stake against the Targaryens. The Mad King needed to be overthrown. That's true. You know, yeah, it's not like not it's not good. like they just happened to go to war because Rhaegar stole Lyanna. Like that, like. That was that gave Robert a personal stake in leading the fight, but there was going to be a rebellion against the Mad King at some point. You know, like uh, they were not going to let that motherfucker just keep doing what he was doing. Um, or maybe they would have, and this is just what sparked it. Like maybe this is just like they were like, well, you know what? Actually, fuck it. We will <laughs> last rebel. fucking like, straw. Yeah, of like, the Targaryen. You know what? Your dad here. Is actually crazy. Like we actually do hate him, and not like all the people that are just dying. And the more that I, the more that I think about it, the more that I think Robert might have straight up made that he made up that story of the rape. I don't think and like yeah, the kidnap and rape. I don't think he could handle the idea of Liana having chose Mm -hmm. Rhaegar. Yeah, 
That you know, I'd be 100% willing to bet that Robert is the one who created that story. Yeah, because Barrison's talking about him. He's singing to yeah. everybody. He's such a nice guy. They give, they raise charity money and then give it to just the, the people. You know, one time they got drunk and they had a good time, you know, but that was one time, you know, whatever. They give yeah. the money back to the people. He's just a fucking, I don't know. I'd like to meet Rhaegar. I would too. Um, Seems pretty seems cool. Seems like a dove did. Seems like a guy. Does, seems like a good does guy. not does not seem that these accusations against him are true. Mm. Um, if I had to guess, I did. I, I would say they are not. Uh, yeah, and we do. We do have a vision um, of them being of, married in a, a private yeah. ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't. I don't think that necessitates a kidnapping necessarily. But uh, no, I guess Stockholm syndrome kind of a thing. Could be. Could be. Uh, but I don't think so. But I think no. that. I believe case. Born of Love was Jon Snow. Um, mm-hmm. Indeed. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, then we get the most uncomfortable scene in the history of the show where Sansa notices that Littlefinger is wearing riding clothes, explains that he's heading back to King's Landing, and she's like, why? And he's like, well, she summoned me. And Sansa's like, uh, well, I'll be alone with the Boltons. So what's up? And he's like, well, Stannis is going to attack soon. He's probably going to win. Um, he's one of the best military commanders in Westeros and the Boltons will out, will be outnumbered as the Northern houses would be quick to betray Ramsey and Stannis will then make Sansa the new ruler of the North. Um, you know, so everything will probably work out pretty well. Uh, (laughs) and Sansa's like, but what if he doesn't beat them? And he's like, well, I don't think that's going to be a problem, which it is. Uh, Ramsey proves to be a pretty good battle commander. Uh, as he breaks a lot of rules is basically like, he just like a lot of the like understood rules of war. He just kind of negates completely. Um, yeah. And, uh, man doesn't give a fuck. No, he does not. It's honestly Uh, better. He'd he'd much rather just not give a fuck. Just do whatever he wants. Yeah. Like God, no, either way, no matter how it goes, Littlefinger says Sansa will be uh, his powerful ally in the north. And he goes ahead and gives her a nice little smooch and departs. Uh, Yeah. Sansa being like, oh, well, when you return, I'll be a married woman, by the way. Like, I don't know, like, she got some little, like, comeback, you know, to being like, hey, dude, for one, you're my uncle now, you know. (laughs) Leave me the fuck alone a little bit, bud. Like, Jesus. All right, I get it. Like, you're getting it in while you can, I guess, you know? <laughs> but, like, wow. Yeah, that is just so awkward. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's always weird. Like, Littlefinger, he's always, like, so cool. He's always so cool in what he's saying, and, like, he's scheming. And it's like, oh, dude, you are, you're freaking maniacal. You're sick, like, in a cool way. And then he does mm. some shit like this, and I was like, oh, man, I don't you know. Slimy like, little fuck. You had, you had me at the beginning, you know, and then, and then you're just, nah, yeah. Then he just made it weird. He's a weirdo. He's a weird fucking guy. It's also strange, you know, uh, I don't know, Sophie Turner hasn't been uh, in the limelight a lot as we've been doing this rewatch, but mm-hmm. recently with uh, the very public divorce that she's going through with Joe Jonas. Yeah, that's um, true. It was kind of, it was like, I've been seeing her a lot on my Twitter and stuff. So like when she popped up, it like, 
I get so engrossed in the show that I like almost mm-hmm. forget that Sansa Stark is Sophie Turner, you know? So like she pops up and I was like, Oh, that's, that's Sophie oh, fucking man. Turner, you know, like, uh, for like half a second. And then she immediately reemerges me into being Sansa Stark and stuff, which is just a, a testament to how fantastic of an actor she is. But, uh, man, all that shit is just so sad. I feel so, I've, public divorces are not, not good for anybody. It's super fucking sad. We don't need. And that would be a terrible process. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're already terrible enough processes in private for it to be. Yeah. PR teams going toe to toe trying to demonize. Well, Joe Jonas's PR team trying to demonize Sophie Turner, really. Um, I don't, mm. we don't need that, bro. I don't give a fuck. You know, I don't care that y'all are breaking up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I like, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they had two. Okay. Okay. Mm, I didn't know that. I thought they were just a couple. Just nope. married. They, they, mm. they've had a couple kids. Okay. Uh, so it's just kind of like, and yeah, no, it's just a lot of bizarre moves by Joe Jonas's PR team. I will say. Interesting. I haven't, I haven't, I've just seen the news that they are uh, splitting up. I've, I haven't heard of all the the details of everything. Pretty, it's, 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 it's a little nasty. It's just kind of like, mm. God damn, man. I think the Jonas's uh, PR team kind of underestimated the importance of everybody having watched Sophie Turner grow up and be victim to manipulative men on TV. Mm. So like everyone automatically has that sort of association with mm-hmm. Sophie Turner. So whenever another mm-hmm. man comes out and is like, uh, Oh, she's da 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 da. She da 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 da. We're all like, I don't believe that. Uh, you know, <laughs> kind of sad, but I hope it's just both sides being like, well, this will suck for the both of us, but if we make it public, we'll at least get publicity and our yeah, names be, will be more known be out there. Um, so like, I don't know, maybe like her acting career in the middle of a strike can take off may i don't know take off more no, i don't know um yeah that doesn't make a lot of sense it's no, probably it's just yeah not, not convenient for anybody actually it's not so, man it's, i just feel so bad i feel so bad for them uh feel so bad for sophie turner and in, in particular yeah. just because like it's just yeah. a, a public divorce where you are under scrutiny it feels like is just no fun because it's so funny too because every single thing i see from the PR, like PR slant is like Joe Jonas trying to blame Sophie Turner and then everyone collectively going, well, it's clearly Joe Jonas's fault, you know? So like, like the, the more, the more they say it's Sophie Turner, yeah. the more people are going, well, holy shit, dude, you gotta like, you're out here saying a whole lot and she's not saying shit. Like mm. maybe you're a problem. Um, oh, wow. I gotta get the scoop after this. No, oh, yeah. I'm gonna go I mean, rabbit hole. It's just the the pop culture Twitter mm. be all over, be all over my timeline. Um, love me some Sophie Turner. Wish her the best. Mm. I hope everything works out for her though. Uh, fuck the Jonas Brothers and Marine. <laughs> <laughs> the only good thing the jo- the Jonas Brothers have ever done is that new reality game show called Claim to Fame. Super fun show. Love that. Um, mm. It's yeah. a bunch of uh, uh, Nepo babies on the, not Nepo babies, but like their cousins or brothers or sisters or nieces and nephews to famous people. But it's like a secret. Like nobody on the show knows who you're related to. And the point of the game is to figure out who everybody's related to. That's and whoever cool. lasts the longest without being figured out wins. It's super fucking fun. Love the show. Um, and 
Kevin Jonas and uh, Frankie Jonas hosted. Uh, okay. Yeah, huh. super fun show. Uh, I also don't mind Nick. He's fine. But uh, in Marine. Uh, <laughs> back in Jonas, Marine. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in fuck back, Jonas, I guess. In Essos. You know, yeah, in, back in, in Essos, Marine. Uh, oh. We're in Slaver's Bay now. Uh, Daenerys Targaryen is looking down on the streets uh, below from her royal apartments in the Great Pyramid. And Sir Barristan Selmy, my favorite character of the episode, as it had mm-hmm. to be. Has to, you know. Come yep. on. Oh, they they continue was... to discuss Rhaegar here. Uh, he says that the city's inhabitants always seem happy from such a distance, but Rhaegar actually liked to leave the Red Keep and mingle with the common people on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barristan unaccompanied, accompanied him often to guard him. And says that Rhaegar liked to sing to people. He was a great singer, you know. He was a, he was a fantastic fighter, but it was never what he loved, you know. He loved to sing, uh, and so he would Hell find yeah. a place on one of the streets, just like any public minstrel, and sing. And he liked to see how much money he could make, and everyone enjoyed his singing. So he often made quite a lot. And Daenerys was surprised because her brother Viserys only told her that Rhaegar was a great killer. Embarrassed and kind of scoffs at that idea. Yes, he was a great warrior, but he never enjoyed killing. Uh, he was a gentleman who enjoyed singing. She asked what they did with all the money, and Barristan says that they did all sorts of things. Sometimes they just gave it to the next minstrel on the road. Once Rhaegar gave it all to an orphanage in the slums of Flea Bottom, and one time they spent it to get horribly drunk. And uh, just then, Dario Naharis comes in to say the day's supplicants are waiting in the throne room. Uh, chief among them, Hisdarzo Larak. And uh, Barristan's like, should I accompany? And Dario's like, uh, I can protect her from his Darzolarak. And Daenerys goes, I think I can protect me from his Darzolarak. He should have uh, accompanied her, though. Yep, yeah. Because then he wouldn't have been on the streets, you know. But, you know, yeah. it was such a sweet moment, though. Daenerys telling him, like, you know what? Go out. Sing a song for me. Man, I know. Oh, you know, I guess if it weren't for Barristan, we wouldn't have Grey Worm. Grey Worm. And, you know, I didn't realize just how much, especially the first times I watched this, how easily I was okay with trading Barristan for Grey Worm. You know, I was like, well, and at the end of this episode, you kind of think either of them could be dead. Yeah. Or both of them. Yeah, both. Like, Um, Barristan's for sure gone. Gray Worm, you're like, well, it looked like you kind he kind of bled out died. there. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like that. It looked, yeah, kind of, oof. Yeah, no, it was, Marine was good. I liked Marine. It's a good, it, it's, yeah, it the is. wall in Marine is really where the highlight of this episode came from, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, but, getting, uh, uh, and more Rhaegar, too. It's like building that up so much this yeah. episode. The wall, Winterfell. Here, just the way that all kind of connected in this really roundabout way when you when you know what's coming is just oh. so satisfying. Uh, but uh, and shit, even I mean, we dealt with Dorn a lot, and Rhaegar was supposed to marry Elia Martell, and like the way all that's come, like it's just oh a, it's a wild yeah. situation where everything kind of lines up. But uh, his daughter again doesn't would just be Tyrion and Jorah. Yeah, and King's Landing a little bit. Like, uh, they don't they mm. don't do uh, the faith militant stuff is a little. I guess you could. It, there's a little bit of a uh, parallel to the Sons of the Harpy with the faith militant, where it's like a terrorist group mm-hmm. who's gaining power and stuff. Uh, mm. But uh, 
Wow. Nevertheless, Hisdar again beseeches Daenerys to reopen the fighting pits because today is the traditional beginning of the fighting season. And Daenerys mm. again refuses, but Hisdar rationally argues that the fighting pits provide a great spectacle that has always been enjoyed by both slave masters and slaves, and is one of the few things that can bring the city together. Bringing back this major tradition will not instantly solve all her problems, he concedes, but it would be a start at mending together her subjects. Especially if they can participate in the fighting pits willingly. That's, that's, I mean, like, shit. I wouldn't, but mm, if, that's, yeah. if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Me. You do your thing. Yeah, not me. That's you want to fight to death in, a, in an arena for glory? Hey, do you, not me. I don't even think I'm watching. I'm not sitting there either. Like, I'm staying at home that day, you know? Um, but, uh, nevertheless, as he speaks, the sons of the harpy are already mounting a series of large scale attacks in the street. Um, mm -hmm. also of note is that his Darzo Larak, uh, we learn later on is down with the sons of the harpy. So there's a really good chance he came to speak to them as a distraction from this attack in the streets. Um, I didn't know that. I did not remember this yeah. dude is on the dark side. Yes, or is, is he just sure. like, he's just, like he, does he recognize them as like a necessary evil at this point to restore the traditions, blah, blah, blah? Or like, is he like, for I'm real, pretty sure that's like, the case. I Like, I think that the Sons of the Harpy align themselves with a return to tradition in Marine, uh, mm -hmm. I think, and he wants that as well. So I think he kind of gives them the inside scoop, but they, I think they end up killing him anyway. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, a, wow. okay. I don't think he's like a leader or anything. He's just like, they're kind of insider, you know? Um, hmm. But, uh, nevertheless, a Miranese prostitute helps them distract and kill some of the second sons. And when a patrol of the unsullied arrives, she feigns fear and directs them into a trap by pointing that the sons of the harpy ran into a narrow alleyway and the unsullied give chase only to be surrounded by a much larger number of the sons of the harpy and brutal fighting rages throughout the streets of Marine. Gray worm is among the ambushed. He kills many of the attackers, but loses his helmet uh, slashed in the leg and stabbed in his side. Mm -hmm. And gray worm pulls the dagger out of his own chest, stabs a foe in the throat with it and keeps fighting. Uh, though his wounds slow him considerably. And, uh, most of the sons of the harpy are dead, but they outnumber the unsullied so much to begin with that only Grey Worm is left. And as he is surrounded just then, Sir Barristan arrives. And the music swell here, buddy, oh as yes, he fights dude. here, was so Literally. fucking good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why this is my scene. Because, like, the action was awesome. It meant music. something. There was a moment here. Yeah, like, everything was on a 10 right here like it was like i'm watching barristan go out you know so i'm like okay like i don't know it, it, I, that's going and then i'm like you know what like yeah like i think i think this does make sense barristan he's lived his time you know he's he he already is like old and like gray rooms like kind of the new the new next barristan for daenerys right. you know kind of um, a little bit new, you know, loyal protector for daenerys he knows he can't be doing it for much longer anyways and like I'm like, yeah, no, I do like this trade, you know, like the, I think, yeah, it does make sense. I, I would like Barrison just to keep living and then him die a boring death, you know, hmm. um, but I don't know this and the action was just fucking like awesome. It was like a Star Wars hallway scene, um, but in Game of Thrones, you know, like 
True. Plop, plop a lightsaber on Grey Worm or Barristan, and oh my god, this is like this is like this Luke is taking down Dark Troopers or Vader just tearing through Resistance fighters. Like it was fucking sick. Like that yeah, was sick. I I I don't know. I, everything was was going here. Uh, so so that's why I, I chose it as as the scene. And yeah, you're right. It is kind of left up in the air. Like it's like, well, Barristan seems pretty gone. Like, um, it seemed like Barristan's death was the one. Like I was like, okay, like yeah, this this did feel like a send off. Like there's he's not coming back from it. Uh, but Grey Worm, I was like, I don't know. It was it was kind of like I don't know. Like at, like oh my god, like he could have been dead there. Like for sure. Um. But. Yeah, this is a pretty uh, it's a pretty big uh, pivot from the novels, as Barristan does not die in the novels and actually becomes a point of view character eventually, and a narrator for some mm-hmm. of the some of the chapters. Ian McElhenney, the actor for Barristan, was not happy with this change. Yeah, um, uh, he was uh, he like he said was not book accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it kind of it gives Barristan mm. a sense of, you know, epicness and kind of he's going out with a he's going out with a, a fucking bang. It I mean, this does help I think the continuing uh like destruction of Daenerys sort of like uh, the sons of the harpy rising, mm-hmm. one of her best her closest advisors dying, her tie to the old the tie to the good in her family, you know, like it's just a uh, sad but uh yeah i i understand why they did it but this is not book accurate uh barrison hmm. selmy went on to be a much larger part of the book wow. so hmm interesting decision here um especially in like episode four and like just to sons of the heart like i don't know like he's it's just numbers that got to him you know like you'd think it would be some. I think some... that it. Uh, I think more than anything, this was to kind of put on display just how big of a threat these people are, the Sons yeah. of the Harpy. You know, it really it it like legitimizes it the numbers them. thing. Doesn't matter uh, how legendary you are with the sword, you know. At yeah, at some like, point, numbers just run you down. More, we've only seen like one up to this point. We mm-hmm. know they're a problem, but we didn't realize there were this many of them. Um. It like it shows that they are capable of sneak attacking the second sons, taking out Unsullied, taking out the greatest sword in Westeros. So this is all of a sudden a threat they cannot take lightly, you know. And I think that yeah. makes it uh, uh, it it incentivizes Daenerys to reopen the fighting pits to cry, try and like ease tensions. Um, there's there's a lot to do that push that there's a lot of story that this pushes forward, even if it is a stark change from the books. Um. Mm. Mhm. That's for sure. Yeah, this is something needs to change. And like I I'd say if if Barristan doesn't die and both of them make it out and like they just lost some some unsullied soldiers, you know, maybe it, it wouldn't have been as like a okay, like we need to do something about this or like we need to like this is they're reaching like Defcon 5 here or yeah. 1. What's the high? I don't know, whatever's like the highest Defcon. I forgot if it goes the other way, up or down. Um, 
I can't remember. I never can. The only reason I know it in the first place is like in Black Ops Zombies, the five map, we can play as like JFK or... Uh, the reason I actually know it is because zombies. of uh, the Santa Claus 2 uh, starring Tim Allen. Wow. David Crummeltz. Uh, they call it ElfCon in that movie. <laughs> um, wow. That, that was my insane. first. That was my first interaction with that concept. Call of Duty uh, Zombies and ElfCon. That's perfect. Yeah. So where else are you going to learn that? Yeah, they don't. Te- I, they, I don't think they taught that in school. No. Like that was ever brought up. Maybe there's probably a lot of shit from school that I just completely forgot. So, yeah, I doubt it. Not unless you're but, learning military tactics and shit. Yeah, true. but uh, yeah, I think that uh, with that, we're we're ready for a rating. Mm. How how you feeling about this bad boy? Ooh, I think I don't know. I all the. There was a lot of rewatch enjoyment here. A lot of the foreshadowing of, you know, John's parentage and like all the cool like tie-ups that were happening or like uh, I mean like connections that were happening with it. This mm-hmm. made this episode made me tear up multiple times. I cried mm-hmm. at Barristan's death. I cried at mm-hmm. Stannis's Stannis's little yeah. interaction with Shireen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which doesn't happen a lot, you know, like I I obviously cry watching this show, but it it rarely happens in just like season 5 episode 4. Mm-hmm. This is just an episode that's gonna make you cry a little bit. Like, uh, so like I, this is one of my favorite episodes of the season, if not my favorite episode of the season so far. I, would I think say. it is. Yeah, we yeah. we've been on a constant rise, uh, eight five eight seven five nine, and I think this one is it's either a nine two five. Like I think it it, it gets that bump for sure. I think. It oh, might I think be that's. Like I, I would even go nine five. Nine, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's like deserves that little extra bump uh, this week. It felt I don't know. Felt good this week did on multiple mm. levels the action was sick and cool it was and, cool it uh, was very well photographed moments like it, it, was, it felt it like was it was written right. very well a lot of For like a lot part. of things were very yeah other than like the sand like the sand snakes was a little weird um but and then like i guess Tyrion. yeah i guess like short the shorter scenes were just kind of like all right we need to throw them in there to, to mm-hmm. start this part of the story or like give you a little bit of continuation but all of the Liana and Rhaegar stuff was really cool. Um, John at the Wall always always mm, nice. Love that um, to see. No, I mean like, yeah. When it comes to critically rating this, this is a it's it's a pretty damn good episode with one scene that's truly holding it back, and for the most part, it's going to do pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. but uh. I think it will get a little bit of a dink for that, just because, I don't know, it's been a while since we've watched an episode where I've looked at a scene and gone, Yeah, that's not very good. This is true. This is true. 875 is the lowest of the season so far. That was the, the premiere. Um, Vance going bye-bye, I believe. Um, is that true? I think that's true. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I, I, I... I think that this is a very, very... It's specifically good on rewatch. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah. it, it is specifically That's good true. because They're of just what talking a is coming. bunch of mumbo-jumbo, uh, if you have no idea. Like, it's yeah. just, like, background that you have no idea why it's background yet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I guess I'll remember that, but it has no meaning to me yet. Yeah. So, that's true. I mean, I do... And, like, I don't think that takes away from... Because we are rewatching, so we should we should treat mm-hmm. it as such um but i think that 
all in all, I think I would make this the critically worst episode of the season so far. Um, might've been my favorite, but I don't think it was quite as good because it was well photographed at times. Actually, it was really well photographed. I would say that like, uh, I, I I'll tie it with the, with the premiere. I'll go eight, seven, five. I think I'd be cool with that. Let's see. That would average it out to a nine, which ties it with last episode overall. Cool. Um, and yeah, still above the premiere a little bit, um, at an 87 and then episode two house of black and white is at the top at a nine one, um, very close together. These episodes are this season. Yeah, season five is good so far and it's only going to keep getting better. Oh yeah. You talk wait. about those last three. That's a crazy last three. Those yeah. go insane. So that, that's going to be nuts to get to. Run here. Yeah. Yeah. We get kill the boy next. Um, Ooh, I think we say goodbye to Eamon next week. Uh, no, that's man. We say good. We're saying goodbye just to so many big people, and I guess Eamon, like he, he is old. He's kind of yeah. He's 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 there. Let's see. But we're losing the the wizened. You know, we're losing the good guys, and that hurts. What? It doesn't have deaths. What? Did I just not scroll down far enough? Usually in the wiki it has who is first brought up and then who dies. But this episode just doesn't have it? What? Strange. Do they have just, there's there's usually, are there no deaths and no introductions? Starring, guest starring, appearances. It would have been right above that. Yeah, what? Yeah, maybe it's not next episode. Maybe it's like the episode after that. Uh. Hmm. Anyway. Maybe it's a little longer. Maybe he lasts a little longer than I remember. But regardless, um I'm I'm very, very excited for what's to come. I know that we're getting a kick ass monologue from uh Maester Eamon next week. Mm. A great interaction between him and Jon Snow. So that always rocks. Um, Eamon dies episode the gift. Uh, which is episode seven. So we get him for a little okay. longer. A little bit longer. Um, yeah. Yeah, apparently no one dies next episode. In the episode before, Violet and Gita die. Um, Gita is a 10-year-old terminally ill girl. Okay. Wow. R.I.P. Gita, sad. shit. And Violet is a young woman in service to House Bolton. A bed warmer of Ramsey Snow. Um, that's Violet. That's I, okay. I don't know why a 10-year-old girl dies. Oh. Arya puts her out of her misery by giving her the poisoned water in the central sanctuary. Ah, yes. Wow. Damn. Okay. Well, I guess no deaths next episode, if if it is to be trusted. But then we get a 10-year-old girl, and then Aemond, and then... <laughs> yeah. And then it just starts snowballing uh, to the end of the season there at that point. Ah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, with that, we'll conclude this episode, and we'll be back with Winter is Blooming next week mm -hmm. with Kill the Boy, episode 505. So very, very excited for that. Uh, this Wednesday, we continue our uh, top 100 favorite movies ever with part eight, the 20s. 20 through 29 this Wednesday. Very, very excited for that. Ooh. And then uh, 
this Friday, our comic book movie journey through film continues with Spider-Man three, where we'll be joined by Michael Mealberger once more as he oh, yeah. is, uh, he's done the full Spider-Man trilogy with us now. Uh, it's a fun one. Um, and yeah, that's, that's this week on the Penny Bloom podcast. I'm very excited for it. If you would head to patreon.com slash Penny Bloom pod, where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, all sorts of stuff over there. And for $3 a month, you can support this podcast financially, which is huge because it costs me money and I don't make any off of it unless it's over there. Head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom podcast. Remember to leave a five star rate and review wherever it is you might be listening. Uh, Let's see. Remember to support SAG after and WGA and their struggle against the studios as uh, that shit doesn't look like it's coming to an end anytime soon. And uh, no matter what, if somebody worked, if somebody did the work on something, they deserve to be paid for that work. It is uh, only fair to be compensated for your labor. And if you are profiting off of something that nobody else who worked on it is, uh, there's a problem there. You know, uh, recently there was a report that Je- uh, uh, Aaron Paul, who played Jesse Pinkman in mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, makes uh, like nothing in royalties off of Netflix. Really? Which is of one of the biggest shows. Like, yeah. And uh, it was obviously, yeah, obviously not a Netflix original show, but the way that show was given life via netflix it's astonishing that they're not making any money off of that uh that's that's Damn. shitty you know it, it only makes sense to compensate the people who worked on the show uh for its success on streaming platforms uh so yeah just fuck the studios and there's no two ways about it uh, but yeah with that I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And my life's been exciting. I want my death to be boring.